Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 64 of the Friday Nightmares podcast. On this episode, we are continuing our horror from around the world, as we have pretty much been doing all year long. This episode, we will be covering Polish horror. Um, I am one half of your hosting team this evening, Mr. Smoke Show Crawford, coming to you from the town of Swartz Creek in the county of Genesee in the state of Michigan, in the United States of America, in the American continent, in the Western Hemisphere, on the planet Earth, in the Milky Way galaxy. I'm fully vaxxed, boosted, and waxed, and ready to climax, and if you can, please get me wet, feed me after midnight, and I am the man with the glorious beard, a.k.a. Scott Hausen. And with me, as always, is... (coughs) I forgot I was here. Heather Powell coming to you today from Waterdown, Ontario, Canada. Uh, if you listen to our last episode and you listen to this episode, you can tell that I, uh, so spoilers, still have a cold. Um, but it's it's finally exiting my body. But man. I exercise the demon. <laughs> I exercise the demon. <laughs> that's what happened. We had this a Heather place. is clean. <laughs> oh, no, that's definitely not true. <laughs> <laughs> um but i've had a a nasty cold for the last couple of weeks but finally i feel like i'm finally turning a fucking corner um which is good because spooky season's around the corner and there's something i would hate more than being sick for spooky season so (laughs) hashtag thank god um a shout out to dale storm yesterday who messaged me um asking about other podcasts that I'm on and in true Friday nightmares fashion, I'm going to talk about my other podcasts. You those Scott's here. Um, oh, here we go. Miss popular. Oh, please. Let's not even get started, Scotty. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> All right. Uh... We know why we'll get to it later, but anyway, Miss popular one friend, Scotty. <laughs> She's like, got to talk fucking... about her friend that messages her about the shows. Uh, we got a popular all, one over here, folks. First of all, Dale listens to both of us. Okay. And Dale took his daughter to school, like big school, like away school yesterday. So congratulations to Dale's daughter. Anyway, Dale messaged me. And at first, because Dale has never messaged me, the first message was like, hey, Heather, how's it going? And I was like, is this a hacker or is this actually Dale? <laughs> And then he was like, so I've been listening to Friday Nightmares. I'm like, no hacker would listen to Friday Nightmares. <laughs> it's got to be Dale. So I uh, I let Dale know about Summer Party Massacre. So listen at your own risk, Dale. But thank you so much for reaching out to me and supporting Scott and I on this show. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Dale. I just got to give Heather shit just because it's fun. <laughs> well, no. And you know what? We'll get to reasons why that's not true. Because it doesn't matter what I do. You're still the most popular one. Even with random strangers. Random strangers in Australia that know Tim Davidson still want to oh. talk to you. <laughs> more than me. Uh. Like, what is it about you? I, I was walking Mickey the other night. And I was like, why does everyone fucking love Scott so much? Like, honestly, like, I never thought I would do a podcast with someone and be so, like, not in the limelight. Like, Scott, you shine bright. There's a song well, by the Saturdays called Ego, and I'm going to lip sync it to you one day. It starts off with, we used to go for he go with each other, looking out for each other. I thought you knew better, but look at you. You used to be so laid back. You used to keep it so cool. <laughs> I loved you because of all that. That's the truth. And now you want to pretend you're a superstar. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, uh, 
you know, all teasing aside, though, like, you know, I, I have to pick on you a lot because, I mean, you are the one that gets the messages. And I am uh, the yeah, one. that's because I dress, uh, but that's you. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, like, even the other podcasters will message you and stuff like that. Like, even the stuff about me, which is kind of weird that they don't message me. <laughs> but Well, no one wants to know you're a man of mystery. That's why. No one wants to, no one wants to, like, just be near the sexiness, I guess. Like, I like know. if they, they knew what you got up to, they would probably not want to be friends with you anymore. <laughs> or they'd be too turned on. Oh, or that, or disgusted. It's basically like <laughs> Solo. That's <Scott's> life. <laughs> manja, manja. <laughs> That's what he does on a Saturday night. He's like, oh, this has been a great first date. i got a movie I want you to act out with me. <laughs> but mainly the third <laughs> act only. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, for anyone that's watched Solo, uh, no, Scott doesn't actually like to like to do that. That's just something that we're well, the eat pooping part, maybe. Hmm. Oh no, (laughs) I remember I got through that scene only because yourself and Brandon from the Exploding Heads movie podcast told me I couldn't. Right, and the only reason we said you couldn't is because you never wanted to watch Human Centipede just because of the idea of that. (laughs) Yes, I still haven't. Just so we're clear, I still haven't. Um, I still haven't watched Human Centipede. Um, and I won't. So stop pressuring me, Scott. I'm gonna put. I'm we're gonna we're gonna watch that for our podcast. Oh yeah, you know, we should watch it when you come out to visit. So yes, um, Scott and I have planned our next. Like I think we act like when Scott and I get together, it's like the like coming of the world. Like like we're ambassadors of peace for each other countries <laughs> when we get together. It's so special. Um, so even though we only live like four hours apart, it's a bitch. <laughs> it is, especially when Together. gas prices are high as they are. Right. Well, and like, I think it'd be easier if we lived in different countries, but there's an exchange factor that we need to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry, it's the same country. There's an exchange factor we need to think about. Um, but Scott's birthday is in early October and he is doing something else for his birthday. But uh, towards the end of October, I really wanted to take him on two things. One being a ghost walk and another thing being a place called Haunted Manor, which exists in Niagara Falls, Canada. And I can't remember why we didn't do it last year. Because uh, I threw my back out. And uh, that's what it was. Okay. You were, well, actually, uh, you were worried about me throwing my back out because my back yes. was acting weird. And then yes. in October, I did throw my back out on my freaking birthday. That's right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. So anyway, hopefully people won't do that now. Um, yeah, I'll so, say we'll, we'll see what happens. God's it's in God's hands now, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is going to come out and we are going to go on a ghost tour on October, Friday, October 28th uh, at night. We're going to we're going to do a downtown Hamilton one. And the Saturday we are going to go to Haunted Manor in Niagara Falls, Canada. And that will be Scott's birthday gift from me is time with me. And basically us making a fucking found footage film. <laughs> the greatest gift I could ever ask for. But like, does this not sound like a found footage plot? Oh, it totally does. Like, you know, two horror podcasters that are going to spend Halloween weekend doing spooky things. It's like the house that October built, only the Target version of it. Yeah, right. The dollar store <laughs> version of it. Honestly. But anyway, that I've been sick. I haven't done much except for feel like shit. So I don't know, Scott, what have you done? You probably had more excitement than I have recently. Oh, yeah. Say mine, uh, my couple of uh, last two weeks hasn't been really crazy exciting. I mean, played magic uh, one night with uh, my cousin and my buddies. Um, Ended up, Mandy and I ended up hanging out all day and we ended up uh, just like, what did we ended up doing? We ended up watching the new Beavis and Butthead, which for every Beavis and Butthead fan that is out there, the new series, fucking hilarious. So for everyone in their 40s, 
that yes. needs aspirin, check out Beavis and Butthead. And I, I do have to say, I love it because, uh, you know, on Beavis and Butthead, they would always do like the, uh, oh, they're going to watch a music video from MTV and make fun of it. Oh, they, yeah. I remember they did that back in the day. Yeah, yep, yeah. They have updated it. So now they're watching YouTube and TikTok videos. Oh, that is kind of clever. And then they, uh, of course, will still occasionally watch the occasional YouTube music video. So like Post Malone was one of them. But like, no, it's like all these YouTube and different things. And oh, my God, I am. I was in fucking tears with some of the shit they're saying. And it is. Yeah. So if you are a fan of Beavis and Butthead from back in the day and excited that they came out with a new series, definitely recommend checking it out. I think there's four episodes out now and every one of them has been fucking great. Um, I was never a fan. Like I could take it in small, small doses. Yeah. Like I was never I couldn't sit through a full episode. Oh, I. I was like that when it first came out and then my brother was obsessed with it. So I like got stuck watching it a lot and it kind of uh, wore on me. And then now it's like something I just absolutely adore and have fun with. I even went and seen Beavis and Butthead do America in theaters and shit like that. Is it, is it because it takes you back to your youth? It takes me back to my youth. And cause I'm also about mentally, I'm about where Beavis and Butthead are. <laughs> well, you know, it's cool because you know, Scott, like parents just don't fucking get it. And we're going to talk about that in our what's new section. But sometimes you just got to fucking break stuff, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think oh, I ended up taking my cousin all the way out, like a two hours away to drop Shoot off his him car. in the field. Yeah, <laughs> I had to put him out of his misery. You're but, like, uh, that was a cousin, I'll do it. <laughs> that was a freaking nightmare drive because I had to meet up with him at work. And oh, he was like, yeah, I'll be out by seven ish. Uh, so, you know, just chill in the parking lot for a few minutes and we can head out from there. I'm like, OK. I get there around seven-ish. He goes, all right, just waiting for these guys to finish up. And next thing you know, his boss tells him he's got to stay till 8.30. So I had to sit in that parking lot for like an hour and 20. He felt awful. Um, but then we finally left. I followed him. Had to go through Detroit in the middle of the night. I'm going, okay, it shouldn't be too bad. It's the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> That's the safest time to go through Detroit. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the, it's the expressway, so I don't think there's going to be much oh, yeah, happening okay. there. Yes, yes, but yes. I'm like, you know, traffic won't be nearly as insane as you and I went to see <laughs> yeah. uh, wrestling. Sorry, I'm still oh. laughing at you driving through Detroit in the middle of the night. <laughs> Crazy ass white boy. Fine. You like roll down your window, <laughs> cruising slowly. <laughs> Oh, uh, but holy hell, the GPS took us to the most congested construction filled area possible where we were at standstill. Ontario? No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, my cousin, I almost watched my cousin die seeing a semi truck decide to cross four lanes at, the, at one time, almost sideswiping him. And like, oh man, I had like we were both Final calling each other going, holy fuck. <laughs> and uh, finally got to the destination. And then our way home back, our way back home wasn't bad, but it was ended up being like a six hour event that I had to do. Oh, so it was, it was long, but it was, you know, I like how you can take the most mundane tasks and turn them into something interesting that you could talk about in our podcast. <laughs> right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta have some filler, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. We're all about the filler here on Friday Night and you know why I love to be filled up. That's right. <laughs> filled up to the top. Because you know, you know what rises to the top? The cream. Cream always rises to the top. <laughs> it sure does. I feel <laughs> it sometimes coming out of my throat after a busy Saturday night. <laughs> anyway. Oh dear. This Lord. is why I don't want my 12-year-old nephew listening to this podcast. <laughs> Andy Heather, what did you mean by cream coming out of your throat? Oh, I'm just talking about right. I'm talking nah. about uh, talking about an old 80s wrestler. Nine. Don't worry about it. No, give him another year and he'll be like, I know what you meant by cream coming out of the top of your throat. Shit, he probably knows now. He probably does know now. Like it's so cute. So just now, um, 
Amber, we're supposed to meet up. I'm supposed to meet up with my friend's kids later on today. Like I sound like Leslie, like the only people I hang out with. And it's not far off from the truth right now. Um, and my friend Amber's like, yeah, can you guys make sure you get Liam out of his room? Like he just wants to sit in his room all the time by himself. I'm like, imagine a 12 year old boy hmm. wanting to hang out alone in his room. She's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> make sure to knock. I'm like, imagine he wants to spend time. And he's an introverted kid to begin with too. Like he's right. a quiet kid. So like he already likes his time on his own, you know, and maybe his sister's like fucking crazy and like the craziest extrovert that's like basically on like cocaine, but not. <laughs> so like I too would hide in my room if given the opportunity. So right. Just kind of eat. and being at that age, you know, alone time is, yeah. That's still, that's still what. No more, no oh, more shit. Friday nightmares. Oh, you froze. You came back. Yeah, I thought you froze on me. So I don't know. I don't know what who, what happened there. Oh man, it says internet connection is unstable. Uh oh. <laughs> Just like our love lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you always make fun of Michigan having the bad internet. Look oh, at you, you with your what? internet we're, connection. We're being close unstable. to Michigan. We share a border, so like you know. <laughs> Anyway, like I was talking about nothing. So we're talking about nothing. We literally have done nothing of real interest. Like the Beavis and Butthead movie and you driving to Detroit is the highlight of the last two weeks. We got nothing. It's true. Um, And I do want to give a heads up. Who knows? I may lose power because there is a massive storm hitting us right now. Oh man. So, so Scott we'll see cuts what happens. Out, I'll just continue and this will become a solo cast that it was always meant to be. <laughs> it's that's what it was truly meant to be. <laughs> it was truly truly just meant to be Friday and, or nightmares. Yes. <laughs> uh, and I did want to say too, uh give a shout out to our good old buddies from Down Under, Tim uh Tim Davis and Luffy. I mean, obviously it was mainly Tim Davis, but you know, he did the interviews. Uh he did he interviewed me last night for his I'm your number one fan show and he did yours, what was it, about a week and a half ago? Uh-huh. Like, I don't know. That was a, I've done a lot of interviews since then. So that was uh, like a little two weeks popular. ago. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like, because, you know, I love it when I can go to a podcast and not really have to prepare for anything. Just go oh, in. Just, just talk about yourself. Yeah, I was like, you know, I even told Tim, I'm going, you know, the my my inflated ego really appreciates this, Tim. <laughs> uh, you know what's funny? Scott does not have the ego of this group. <laughs> it's me. No, I'll say it's funny. I because I even talked about it on the on the interview. I was like, you know, you know, we are basically ourselves on our podcast. We just inflate our personalities <laughs> for the show, like yeah. way extreme. I, I definitely suck cock, and so does Scott. <laughs> right. So I mean, clear. I mean, but but we don't like talk about it as openly and like constantly as we do here. Well, maybe I don't. With each other, we kind of do. Yeah, yeah. With each other, we do. Yeah. <laughs> but um but no i'm i thought did tim tell you that he you were one of his podcasting role models uh he kind of did yeah like i was kind of blown away by that i'm like but you have a better show <laughs> like he and daniel are so funny like i was listening to them talk about prey and <laughs> just they're like phantasm and they're just so funny i guess we're funny too you know what he's right we are his role models the only reason more for dummies is as good as it is is because of friday nightmares without <laughs> friday nightmares <laughs> There would be no horror for dummies. <laughs> oh, and the funny thing is, uh, like, this came as a fucking shock to me, though. He basically, in, like, different words, but basically called me, like, horror royalty because he had listened to me, like, for so long being on, like, Horror Drunks podcast by the cemetery that he was actually nervous about. So he was one of, the, one of the five listeners that listened to that show? I, I guess. <laughs> 
but uh yeah like he was telling me he's like he was nervous to ever actually reach out to me and stuff like that and then like Aww. i was like wow like i was for what i told him going dude i'm just a horror nerd i didn't i, I never see myself as anything more than that and like, <laughs> you're I'm, like and i'm not even that good of a podcaster right? <laughs> I, like, fucking do my I, I half-ass everything dude come on <laughs> like honestly but we I love you too half-ass <laughs> right i mean i'm done in like two seconds because i just don't want to deal with it <laughs> too much work but you you have been around all joking aside scott because i talked about you on my interview so you better have talked about me um I and i talked about how like you had had years of experience podcasting before you and i had started podcasting together like you had been part of two shows now this one is the one that you and i control the most out of yeah. all the shows we've been on or you've been on or i've been on um you know which is why we record when we want for as long as we want to talk about what we want do what we want because it's what ours. we do ours, ours um but i you know you you have been around a long time i get why tim would be nervous it just doesn't like because yeah i i just never knew anyone ever really listened to the horror drunks like i <laughs> you knew, think you listened to that show <laughs> like i mean you know we had fun with it i but at back then i had no like expectations of like people actually listening i mean i was shocked when i found out you know like watson listened uh a couple of my I knew personal friends would listen, but I didn't know anybody from that didn't know us personally would have actually listened. So it was, you know, it's nice to hear that. And at the same time going like, man, like you could definitely tell like where I started to where we are now. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. One microphone with uh, shared between three people in the same room. And, <laughs> and like, one, was... and one cup shared as well. Oh yeah. One cup, <laughs> one cup that we all three filled at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> It was a shot glass, but you know, you're neither here, here nor there. A thimble. A thimble. <laughs> We're in fine form today. This is great. <laughs> um, but no, like you really have, you know, now you're on a really serious professional show. Fuck yeah. I haven't talked about <laughs> yeah. that. Like I haven't talked about that in the interview. You're talking about how, like, you know, when we first got together and started coming up with the idea, like, man, we're going to be very <laughs> professional. We're not going to swear. <laughs> We're going to do all this research. Which we did like, for a long time. We did. Two episodes. We did the professional part. Oh, yeah. But we researched for a long time. Yeah, we did the research for a while. But yeah, two episodes. And then we're just kind of like, ah, fuck this. <laughs> Let's be <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> well, we are like, we will handle certain topics with tact and grace. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we make fun of each other and make fun of ourselves. But we don't, you know, I think like, for example, I joke about me liking sex, but I do. And I feel proud about that. I feel like I should. I think any human being who enjoys sexual activity should be welcome to do so Absolutely. and talk about it. Right. So I think like, you know, somebody might think I'm slut shaming myself. I certainly am not. I am proud that I enjoy sex and I think everybody should, if they, if that's their thing, if that's not your thing, totally respect that. Like if you're asexual and that's not how you, you know, want to engage, then that's cool. Yeah. So I do think we, we have kept a level of respect and professionalism oh, in the sense except for we, not re except for respect for each other no <laughs> yeah but like respect for ourselves respect for each other nah that's a little dicey um and occasionally we like rail on some podcasters that we know but like if we tease tim davis it's because we know him well enough and we would never say anything inappropriate and right exactly mean, and we right? love him. like you know i'm never going to be like oh, i couldn't even say tim's a shitty dad tim's one of the best dads ever yeah. like honestly i think tim is just the epitome of what a good father should be and i mean that yeah um and like he recently on horror for dummies i know we're talking about them like yet again they're like our boyfriends and we like make out but they're not they're just scott's boyfriends because even when they called their aussie friends okay even even when tim was really drunk the other day and he had his aussie friend really hot guy named dave and i was like oh dave's really hot dave was interested in scott 
Like, why can't I win? And you know, that's <laughs> fine if Dave like is bi or gay and is interested in Scott, but I like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> but to be fair, Heather, show. you did get a second video of Dave I talking did. specifically to you. Yeah. And what he was going to do, which I was like, fuck, okay. Right. Dave, so, be, like, careful. be careful what you promise. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean to be fair i mean he did come back around and focus right on you um he did he did which i greatly <laughs> i greatly appreciated so um but yeah um anyway it was it was very nice that tim calls us when he's drunk and he did those interviews with us it was it was lovely yeah and i'll say like you know because i know we're like best friends but i didn't know like that he looked up to us like that like as much as he's like told oh, i'm like, sure I, daniel really looks up to us too <laughs> Daniel probably has no idea what's going on. <laughs> Daniel's like, oh, hello, team. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, bitch. to be fair, I mean, we do. I do feel proud that apparently we are one of the very, 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 very few uh, shows. We're the only that one he Luffy listens, listens to. That's to. Yeah. too related. Yeah. That, um. So I feel proud about that. So we love yeah. you, Luffy. <laughs> no, we do. We love your fluffy little bum bum. Mm-hmm. Fluffy little bum bum. Anyway, we'll get into our 2022 watches because Scott's like. He's been watching them like a maniac. Yeah. Someone maniac. gave me shit and I came back with a motherfucking vengeance. That's for sure. He's watching movies like he's never watched before. And there are three that I did not add to this list because they were already talked about by you. That's true. That's true. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is 13 Lives. Um, I watched this movie. It's not a horror film. I, I know it's not, but I really wanted to bring it up. <laughs> so it on here it is on prime and i don't know if you followed this story scotty about the uh the kids in thailand who got stuck in the caves and the soccer uh, team oh, yeah, 2019 okay. and the divers had to go in and get them out one by one yeah this is like fucking survival like i these divers man like fucking props to them like i don't know how they managed to take these kids out one by one by one it's fucking incredible oh scott you muted yourself oh sorry um that's okay i, th- I thought you were uh, still going but i was gonna ask you a question though is this a documentary or is this like a movie based on that so it's a movie based on it but i read the actual story and it's pretty accurate okay so like it was ron howard that did it the movie oh okay. directed it um it's it's a two and a half hour film and probably what takes the most amount of time is you see the work that went into planning to get these kids out and to give you an idea what they had to do they had to sedate them for a i think it was a six hour dive through these caves holy shit like it wasn't like a little oh around the corner around the bend like we're talking and these kids survived 10 days without food wow with just the cave water to drink and none of them got sick wow like it is incredible this story um someone does die and they do stay to the story of how a diver unfortunately doesn't make it out um it is probably one of the most even though i knew the outcome i knew all the, like if you know the story you know the story all the kids live you know right. we know it it was in the news but how they got them fucking out is like incredible yeah that's crazy like, it is it is incredible i didn't know about all the like the how they got them out like well and how long the dive was and like yeah. they had to do go through these spaces that were super tight they had to go on land and then off like it was honestly scott because these caves got flooded. These were caves you would usually walk through. Right. But the typhoon season came early and a flash storm came in and these kids didn't have a chance to get out. That's and crazy. it was it was it was honestly the most interesting film. I know it's not horror, but I included it on here because this is a fucking must watch. Well, it's, oh, it's real life horror. Yeah, and it's survival film to your and it's, you know, 
a happy enough ending but holy fuck these divers deserve fucking like these were volunteers the guys that got them out were volunteers from america there was the two guys that led from british a guy from canada i think a guy from australia wow that's crazy they those weren't their jobs right like well the one guy was a doctor which is why he was able to sedate them um honestly scott watch this movie I was going to say, like, you, is, you've sold me on this. Like, it is it is the most... I have never been so emo- emotionally invested in a film. I know it's not horror, everyone, but real-life horror, this actually fucking happened, and it's pretty fucking accurate to the real story. That's cool. Like, okay, yeah, yeah I definitely got... I did Because I had never even heard of this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... I followed the story like crazy back in 2019 um, because I was really concerned about them getting these kids out. I followed what happened to right. them, how they were going to get them out. I didn't realize, I was like, man, how are they swimming that long? Like, that long to get out. And then I realized how they got them out. And it's nothing short of fucking incredible. Yeah, it's like, because I, I knew about, like, the story itself. But I, I had no idea, like, about this movie. Oh, dude, it is. So, yeah, I'm going to have to check this out for sure. Well acted. Like, Colin Farrell and Viggo Morgison played the two British divers. Oh, nice. Um, and, like, it's... And it's not really all about them. Like, it's about the plan to get them right. these kids out, right? Like, it's not, like... And it's not overdrawn, like maybe conversations are dramatized because but what they had to do is not fucking dramatized like it's right that's what happened nice okay so yeah i'll definitely have to watch this watch it yeah watch it it's worth it and speaking of Vigo oh, and it's Morton- available on prime just so we're clear it's available okay, on the prime and yeah and speaking of vigo mortensen uh i'll jump into my next movie uh which is uh the brand new David Cronenberg. He's finally freaking back in horror crimes of the future. Um, so this is more like typical style Cronenberg where it's very, uh, I guess you would call it almost like cyberpunkish, sci-fi-ish uh, mixed with like lots of like body horror and like weird sexual fantasy stuff. Um, but it's basically this world is a world in the future where people do not get diseases anymore. They do not get infections. They do not feel pain. Like they can live a lot. People live a lot longer and can do a lot of stuff because they do not feel pain. The pain receptors are like just no more. They've like evolved. Basically, everybody has evolved as humans and they've like found ways to their bodies to protect themselves. Um, so in this world, uh, surgeries are now done just openly. Like you'd be walking the street and you could see somebody on like sitting on a uh, stool, like just outside in the middle of the street, just being cut open by somebody and like doing surgery because there's no worry about getting infection from things from the outside world. So you can just cut yourself open and people can mess with you right on the back alleys, right in dingy streets. It's, it's grimy, it's gross. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, that's what this world is like. Like people, surgery and surgeries have become a form of performance art to where people will go to shows watching surgeries being done in these like unique ways with, and it's almost treated like a, almost like a play or an opera and how it's done. And uh, Viggo Mortensen is the main character in this. And uh, it's a very strange story. Obviously it's Cronenberg. It always yeah. is. But uh, Viggo Mortensen is in this and he's one of those evolved humans that he unfortunately has the side effects from whatever that he grows extra organs constantly. Like they like to the point where he has to have surgeries all the time because he's got to get these organs removed because there's just no space in there for his regular organs because they just right, keep right, reproducing right. and remaking more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And so he and his partner always do these uh, 
performance art surgeries to a big crowd to get his organs removed. It's, yeah, it's very weird. It's very uh, fascinating. Typical Cronenberg with some weird-ass body horror, futuristic robotic shit going on that's, like, fleshy, but also animatronic. Um, Lots of weird sexual fantasy stuff going on in this. Like, if you are a fan of Cronenberg, this is a must-watch, because, for one, I mean, it's Viggo Mortensen in the main role. Viggo Mortensen, amazing actor. And there's a ton of recognizable faces in this. But yeah, this is definitely Cronenberg back to his old roots, just with a more modern take on things. And yeah, if you are a fan of David Cronenberg, give this movie a watch. Um, I'm going to look up where it is available right now. Let's see. I think it's only available to rent at the moment, but I mean, double yeah, check. that makes sense. Uh, let's see. It is available to rent on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, and Amazon Video. But awesome. this is a definite, I high recommend this movie was really fucking cool. And I'm, and I'm the one that always talks about, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Cronenberg. Like, I mean, I love his movies, but I'm not like, oh my God, he's the greatest ever. Like I, yeah, yeah. I, but you know, if you know what you're getting into with this movie, it's exactly what you should expect from Cronenberg and you, should, you would be happy. Awesome. Good to know. Good to know. Nice. Well, I might check out the Cronenberg movie. I like Cronenberg. Um, I think I like his son more now. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say like because you can definitely tell he takes uh, steps in his father, or he he follows in his father's footsteps. He's got for a, sure, right? He's definitely got like it's definitely in their blood, in their DNA. Oh, for sure, right? Totally. Um, so I'm the movie I'm going to talk about is one that has good old Rebecca Hall in it, and it's called Resurrection. Um. So the basic synopsis of this movie, first of all, it's 103 minute runtime. A woman's carefully constructed life is upended when an unwelcome shadow from her past returns, forcing her to confront the monster she's evaded for two decades. Um, This movie is definitely about abuse, manipulation, Mm. and control. Uh, Rebecca Hall, always. Like, I don't don't know if Rebecca Hall can make a bad movie. You know what I mean? Like, she's just a very, very good actress. Um, Tim Roth plays David, who I think a lot of people know. You know who Tim Roth yep. is? I was like, because yeah, I, I remember I actually watched the trailer for this and I was like, oh, okay, this looks this looks very interesting. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in Funny Games, uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Halt, Twin Peaks, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Pulp Fiction. Like this guy has a huge, huge list of movies. Yeah, he names. was definitely a Tarantino go-to for a while. Yeah, he's he's definitely done a lot and he plays a great piece of shit in this movie. Mm. Um, You know, I think there's some I know that some people will question why she makes the decisions that she makes in this film. I think this film really, really shows how bad manipulation and control can be. Rebecca Hall carries this film. The ending confused me. I've actually asked Brandon to watch it, or maybe if you get a chance to watch it too, Scotty, and maybe you can explain the ending to me because I didn't quite get it um it's a little artsy the ending okay but overall very very good film has a 3.4 rating on letterbox and totally deserves it um it's available on itunes voodoo and spectric on demand nice uh, yeah this is one i definitely have on my list to watch soon yeah i would re- i would recommend it like i think we have access to it so definitely i think you need to watch it before the end of the year okay perfect yeah, yeah. i will yeah, i'll probably sure. get to it uh this week when i'm like not doing any podcast homework. Honestly, it's and it's it's long and it's heavy, but it's it's very very good. Nice. Okay, sweet. I'll say like it definitely seems like we're starting to hit the stride of like finding the good movies. Yeah, I would say like I'm seeing more good than bad now. Yeah. 
like it's this is how this is how it usually goes like the beginning yeah. of the year is always slow and there's not a lot of good ones like you just got to find the hidden gems and then yeah as the half the year gets past like that's when a lot of the good stuff starts showing up oh totally totally um yeah and i'll say i guess we can jump into the next one because you and i both watched this one we sure did yeah do you want to give the intro for it sure so the next one that we are going to talk about is they slash them uh campers at an lb lgbtq conversion camp endure unsettling psychological techniques while the campsite is stalked by a mysterious killer. Um, this also stars Kevin Bacon. Um, so this basically looked like it was going to be more like uh, in the lines of an 80s style camp slasher, the way it felt, like in the way the trailers kind of portrayed it to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's got slasher elements, but it's definitely not. No. like It's definitely not an 80s slasher. This is more focused on the whole conversion camp thing and mm-hmm. how fucked up and messed up that, that this thing is, that this is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that. This only was made legal in Canada like two years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I th- I thought like all in all, I thought this was a very uh, interesting movie. Like I was not bored. Um, no, all the characters did a great job. Um, like this has a one point seven rating on Letterboxd. I'm sorry to cut you off, Scott. Okay. That really fucking pisses me off. This movie is not a one point seven. No, like it's not just because it wasn't slasher enough for you, or if I swear to God, if someone uses this term woke, I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. Because you know what yeah. woke means to me? That you're aware of the fucking social, economic, and cultural issues that exist in this fucking society and you're not a dumb-dumb. Yeah. And that you understand what privilege means and you're not insecure about it. Anyone who uses woke, I actually have lack of respect for. Oh, absolutely. I actually honestly think you're stupid. So, and I'm sorry if that offends you, but now I'm not because you're dumb. If you use woke and you walk around and use that, like this movie is about shit that actually happens. Yeah. And conversion therapy is horse shit. All right. It's complete fucking horse shit and it borderlines or is abuse. So, oh, 100% abuse. (laughs) You know, like it's not the best slasher. If you're giving it 1.7 because you were like, I thought this would be a really good slasher, I I get that. It's not, it's not a good slasher. You know, it's not. But if you're giving it 1.7 because you're mad that it told it from an LGBTQ plus um, opportunity, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, (laughs) and like, you know, and I, and I went into this thinking, okay, this could be more slasher. So I was, like I was a little disappointed that oh, it yeah, wasn't me the too. slasher that I it wasn't wanted a great to slasher at all. Like it really no. wasn't. No. Like and like it, well, the killer was pretty much like you knew who it was right away. Yeah, um, you you knew pretty quickly. You could put your big thinking cap on and figure it out. Yeah, but right? at the same time, like once I realized that this was not a slasher, like full on slasher, that this was more just kind of focused on the fucked up shit that happens at conversion camps. That's when I was more like, okay, and now I see what this movie is trying to show. I am in for this. I am going to watch it and it ends up being a lot better than I uh, was originally given it credit for. Cause I Absolutely. thought, you know, cause I realized it was a different type of movie. And once I Absolutely. did that, once I realized that I was more like cool with it, like I'm not cool with seeing what the fucking happens, but no, but cool with the, I get what you're saying, Scott, because the emotional and physical torture, like that part where they shoot the hound and he's oh my yelling God. at the gentleman who is gay and calling him a queen and his reaction to Kevin Bacon's abuse was uncomfortable. Yes. And finally the uh, individual that goes by they, I can't remember the character's name. I have to look it up here. Jordan um, shoots a dog. Happens well, to be a get, really. I mean, we're, let's not get oh, too guess... far into spoilers. Yeah, well, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people won't watch this movie anyway, but mm-hmm. you're probably right. Um, anyway, I told a part there. Sorry, guys. There is a spoiler that I talked about with a dog, but 
um, that scene is, you know, the acting in that scene is really good. The, the way that they portray um, how those who people trying to figure out the way I want to present this here. The reason why conversion camps exist is really well presented in this movie. Yes. And I think that it's a shame that Kevin Bacon produced this movie. He was the executive producer. Oh, did he producer. really? Yeah. I did not realize and, that. And I mm. wish he had just gone for more of a um, artistic flair to this. I think trying to masquerade it as a slasher and a poorly done slasher was the mistake. Yes. In this film. Um, this is a good movie. It is not a 1.7 film, but it is not a good slasher. Right. So that's, yeah, that's saying, where I would that, stand on it. Yeah, I was saying because of that, I gave it, I think it was like a three out of five or a 3.5 out of five. Like it's still a good movie, but like because of what it was trying to portray itself as, I couldn't give it a higher score. Yeah, like I, I would definitely say to people, this isn't the strongest horror movie in the world. No. It's more of a... I don't even know what to put it in the camp of. I feel like it's a real life, you know, almost retelling story of what happens in conversion therapy, the trauma that it can cause. And there's some, a little bit of stabby stabby put into it. Yeah, <laughs> like pretty much. Yeah. You know, in it, and there's some like, I, none of the kill scenes even stood out to me. No. And Some of the of other scenes were... did that upset me more. And yeah. unfortunately gave a spoiler away, but that is seen among with others upset me more than the killing scenes did right right and like because uh and like i think what stood out for me is like what like you were saying like the other scenes that are not the slasher stuff and the acting yes the acting is very good because holy shit i hated kevin bacon's character oh yeah kevin bacon was an asshole but the kids reacted perfectly to him too oh yeah like all the kids that had lead roles were quite good yeah like i i like yeah so yeah it's just a shame that they package this as a slasher because i think that's a poor rating because this is not a bad film but i would say to people um, especially people in the LGBTQ, LGBT, LGBTQ, thank you, plus community, this movie may be very hard for you to watch. Yeah. Um, I, as a heterosexual person, have no idea what this would be like. And I would just give a trigger warning because I think that it's very upsetting. I was upset with some of the things that happened and some mm-hmm. of the words that were used and the way people were treated. I can't imagine how I would feel if I was gay, bi, asexual, transgendered. Um, Though there's a really interesting line that one of the transgendered individuals says at the end, which made me laugh. Um, Not laughing like, 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 yeah, you probably have put up with more shit than this. It's true, right? Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Um, But it's available, I think, on Netflix. Is it Netflix? Uh, Nope. For, well, I'm not sure where it is for Canada, but I'm looking that up right now. For me, it's uh, for the U.S., it's Peacock Premium. It's Peacock Premium. Yeah, it's all it is here too. So that's why I watched it through other means necessary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if for some reason though, if you, for some reason you're going to slap woke on this and anything that makes you think outside of your little bubble and upsets you, then don't watch this movie because yeah. you're just going to call it woke and it's not woke. Like that exactly. term doesn't even really exist. It's just yeah. people's insecurity about things being brought to the surface that they don't want to face. Right. Um, like like how can you sit there and be like oh yeah this community's treated fairly like how can you honestly think right that? no like 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 people like you have states in the united states where they still can't get married yeah like like like, like it's still an issue like for some fucking I mean? reason right like it's just and i don't understand it without being too like fucking crude here everyone can have anal sex so they're not doing anything super special 
everyone right. can have oral sex. Like there's nothing overly and and because they can't if two people that have the same sex engage in sexual intercourse, they can't make a child that makes it blasphemy. I don't understand. Lots of people who are straight don't have kids. It's because it's uh because we still live in a freaking uh bullshit world uh in our country where religion is used as a basis for rules for how to live. Yeah, and we could obviously pick that apart if we were a different podcast, but I think what it comes down to is if you are interested in watching something that might open your eyes to what people from a different group have gone through, watch this movie. Yeah. It's not a good slasher. If no. you're looking for a good slasher to be entertained by, this movie is not going to be it. Um, but if you want to be educated on the dangers of conversion therapy, yes, this movie is definitely for you. 100% so, yes. Right? I think that's the best way to sum it up, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to jump into the next one. This one, actually, uh, you have not watched this one yet, have you? No, no, no. All right. So yeah, the movie we're talking about now is uh, one that just came out on Shutter, and it is called Glorious. And oh boy, was this movie glorious. Was it? Was it? <laughs> oh, I loved it. it is, uh, I'm going to read the synopsis real quick. After a breakup, Wes ends up at a remote rest stop. He finds himself locked inside the bathroom with a mysterious figure speaking from an adjacent stall. Soon, Wes realizes he is involved in a situation more terrible than he ever could imagine. Um, this is, it's got, I, I can never, I'm going to pull up his name, but he plays Jason Stackhouse in the True Blood series, and it's uh, Ryan Quantum. And it also stars uh, J.K. Simmons um, mm. as the voice in the stall be, next to him. And the reason it's called Glorious, and I kind of find it funny, is because there is a glory hole in the stall. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and this movie is very, uh, like, I, I want you to watch it because I think you'll enjoy it. You probably won't enjoy it nearly as much as me because it does. It is very Lovecraftian in a way. Oh, fuck my life. <laughs> but it is so well done. And the performances between Ryan and J.K. Simmons, like, are incredible. Nice. And it's got some very good gory moments. It's got some little bit of comedy to it. And it has a twist reveal towards the end that I'm going, oh, shit. Okay. Um, this is, you know, basically a movie with two leads and not really many other people around. It is basically mm. a movie that those two carry. And it's imp incredible because, you know, Ryan is, uh, his character, Wes, is basically just talking to a disembodied voice. You don't even see J.K. Simmons' character. Like, you just hear the voice. So it's basically just uh, Ryan Quantum doing this movie by himself, talking to a disembodied voice. And it's so well done like it's nice very uh it's definitely got the whole uh new age purple and pink gel lighting going on nice. and stuff like that I love it's, it. and it's just a really well done movie at holy shit i had so much fun with this it is so weird it's so it's pretty fucked up and like yeah at the same time there is some a little bit of comedy to it and like you know the whole relationship aspect to it of Ryan, like uh, his character Wes having the breakup and dealing with that shit like that you know I'm, I'm a sucker for that shit yeah so, but yeah this movie I loved it so much that it's in my top five right now awesome look at you huh yeah, I fucking dug the hell out of this and it's on the shuddy yep it is on the shuddy so definitely a high 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 recommend I recommended it to our good friend Liz and she ended up watching it last night and instantly loved it as well well there you go all you need to know is Liz liked it and that's it <laughs> perfect Liz thank you Liz for listening to Scott and watching movies appreciate you <laughs> I, I, I think I've, I've learned her taste over the years so I best you're going yeah you'll love this well she's pretty like dicey taste because she has friends with you <laughs> 
That so am fair. I. So what does that say? <laughs> that is very fair. That says we have no taste. I'm just kidding, Scott. You're the best. You're simply the oh. best. Around. Around. No one's going to take down. Um, so I'll talk about my movie, which is Infrared. Uh, our movie. Oh, you watched it? Yes, I did. <laughs> How did you think? <sighs> I know, Fine. right? It's like I want to be uh, Raven Counters, but we're not. 100%. That's exactly <laughs> what I thought. Um, anyway, this movie's an 88 minute runtime. It's found footage. Uh, it's also can- called uh, Infrared. Infrared. Didn't I say that? No, because I interrupted you before I had a chance. Oh, to sorry. <laughs> infrared. It is 88 minutes long. Um, in this school, the first lesson is fear, is the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Family tensions between a brother and a sister with psychic powers threaten to tear apart the filming of an episode of a paranormal reality TV show. The simmering emotions may be the least of the crew's problems. Um, this is a found footage film, and it—I uh, guess it was made for sixteen hundred sixteen thousand dollars. Oh, that's um, wow. it was fine, honestly. For found footage, I think I this movie was an average found footage film the acting was fine yeah like Um, i thought the chemistry between brother and sister were really good was really good i thought the uh (laughs) the exorcism at the beginning was very cool um very realistic um you know the other paranormal stuff that randomly happens throughout it was a good setting um the school is the main thing but there's a bunch of stuff that happens before they get to the school Mm -hmm. um i just didn't get the ending yeah, like the, because uh, I had a feeling like during the third act with the reveal of what happens, I had a feeling that was going to happen just because of someone yeah, that I got shows up. That. Yeah, like, and then, but, but then, do you yeah, think the, the ending very... was supernatural or human I, see, that's the that's the part I was having an issue yeah. with is because I was like, is any of this really supernatural? Because, uh, the thing that comes running at the screen at the end, like, I was like, is that a ghost or is that human? Because it did, they didn't really like, I, I don't know. Like it was like, is, is this a situation of grave encounters or is this a situation of something more mortal related? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's... you get what I, you get my point, right. Without yeah. me trying to give away. A, okay. Like anyway, I, that was, that was a downfall yeah. to me up to that point. I was enjoying it enough. Yeah. Like I was thinking it was like, it was above average at first. Like I'm enjoying it's fine. Yeah. You know? And, but then, yeah, that kind of ending happened. I'm going, Guys should have decided what this was and yeah, because yeah, I was left wanting more. I was left with more questions. Like you know, man, I so badly want to talk about and give a spoiler with you on like. But anyway, just know to everyone watching sound footage, this movie will leave you questioning at the end on what exactly happened. So yeah, and not in a good way. Like in a way of like, like where Grave Encounters leaves it like this is fucked. Like you know um the house that october built the first one you know that that's people doing what they're doing right like Mm -hmm. but this it was like is it in this realm or is it in another realm and that to me was very i don't know it's too bad because up to that point and i thought the guy's reaction and the sister's reaction at the end were really good Mm -hmm. like i bought everybody's reaction yeah like uh like i said like i for you know for a found footage especially low budget. Yeah. Like they got some good actors in the in front of the camera. Yeah. Like, honestly, it had a lot of potential. It's kind of a shame. Um, yeah. Like it definitely wasn't bad, but like yeah. I didn't hate my time with it. It just kind of left me wanting to know more. Yeah. I just, I definitely think they should have done more and it would have been nice if they did. 
Um, it is available on Apple, Google, Microsoft Store, Tubi TV, and YouTube. I think watching this for free is a great idea. Yep, I was going to um, say, I watched it on Tubi. Yeah, like it's a great free watch. And to be honest with you, it's a found footage besides like the ending. I enjoyed it. Otherwise, yeah. like I just didn't get what they were going with. Right, exactly. Same here. Like right? I, it's definitely one that I'd say, you know, worth watching if you're yeah. just like, if you're like us just trying to watch all the new stuff. Like it's yeah. not one that I hated. Like, no, no, I think it had really good potential, to be honest with you. Yeah. I just don't get the route they went with it. But yeah, it's available. I, I would say watch for free on Tubi if found footage is really your thing. Right, exactly. Right. And uh, speaking of Tubi, uh, the movie I am going to bring up is actually a documentary, Scariest Monsters in America, which is a Tubi original. Oh. Um, and uh, let me just kind of get a synopsis here. Uh, this one is, in each U.S. state, stories of monsters living amongst us have been used to scare children and warn sinners away from misbehavior. But which of these boogeymen brings the biggest fright in the two-hour Tubi special, Scariest Monsters in America? We're counting down the top 10 creatures in the country from a horrifying home invader to a cunning cannibal. We'll uncover evidence of each larger-than-life beast to determine once and for all, which monster is most deserving of state bragging rights? It's basically like one of those, like, here are these, uh, you know, mythological or cryptids from different states. And it's like one of those, it almost reminded me of like something I would catch on like basic cable. Like, oh, we're going to count down the top 10 scariest of these movies. Like, you know, has that yeah, kind of announcer kind of voice. To it. Yeah, I get that. And yeah, it was pretty interesting because, yeah, they talk about like the Jersey Devil, the Wendigo, uh, the uh the the scott crawford about, yeah the scott crawford the smoke show right. uh they talk about uh bigfoot and <laughs> like they talk they, about there was a scott crawford they're like if you listen closely in the night you can hear the slapping <laughs> all over so slightly in the wind <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for like, it's an uh, australian legend actually an yes. australian legend. Oh, who's the scott crawford who's the scott crawford <laughs> um but yeah, like, you know, this was a easy to watch, like definitely kind of gave me that nostalgic feel of like watching these types of documentaries on cable back in the day. So like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. Um, gave some interesting in background information for some of these creatures and some of them I've never heard of before. Some are obviously really well known, but yeah, I thought it was a very fascinating, easy to watch documentary. That's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and where can you find it again? Tubi? Uh, that, yep. That is a Tubi original. Awesome. You know, sometimes if you want something for free. Right. And you know, yeah, no say, plus, you know, it's documentary. And we love we love our documentaries. Documentaries. Um, the next one I'm gonna talk about is Gone in the Night. Did you watch this? Yes, I did. Holy fuck. Yeah, I, I pretty much everything on the rest on this list I've watched with you. A maniac, maniac. Told you. That's for Scotty sure. Scotty came back, baby. Yeah. And he's watching movies like he's never watched before. <laughs> he has like two, you have like two going on the TV at one time, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got, no one I will got beat one, me. I got one on the computer, one on my phone, one on the TV. I'm yeah, like, yeah, like, let's do this. Oh shit. man, I'm getting all of it. Fucking subtitles on all of them so you can keep up. <laughs> Um, this is a 90 minute runtime. It is a little long of a film just because I think it's paced really slowly. Yes. Um, upon reminding, re arriving at a remote cabin in the Red Woods, Kat and her boyfriend find a mysterious young couple already there. The rental has apparently been double booked. They decide to share the cabin with these strangers until the next morning, but her boyfriend disappears with the young woman, which sends Kat into a spiral to find an explanation for their sudden breakup. But the truth is stranger than she could have imagined. Winona Ryder's in this one. And so is DeMont Marooney. 
Uh, so is John Gallagher. And yeah, and so is Brie Tourouge, who I, Brianna Tourouge, who I recognized from 47 Meters Down. And oh, she was okay. the main chicken on Human. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's getting a lot of work. I like her, actually, to be honest with you. I think she plays, like, because in in Unhuman, she plays a, she plays the protagonist. Right. And in this one, she's kind of not the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And I think she's a really good fucking little actress, to be honest with you. I like her quite a bit. Oh, 100%. Um, like, I thought, and and I thought everybody in this movie did, like, a really good job. Like, yeah. I think like, it's just the pacing issue is the biggest thing. And yeah, the third act reveal I f- found to be just kind of silly. I wanted it to be something else. Well, I think the third act reveal I got, um, I thought I mean, it was clever it. until they pushed it a little too far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's a part where it's like something's revealed and you're like, well, that wasn't necessary. Why did you just not make me think that this is why this was happening? Right. Why did we have to like expand more on the story? Right. <laughs> right. Um, Winona Ryder is great in this. I'm glad Stranger, Stranger Things has kind of revised her, like revived her career. Um, she's not a horrible actress, and no, I think I, like in the like, right role, she. I'll say yeah, given the right well. role, she does. Re- she shines right, and um, the gentleman that plays her boyfriend, oh, shit, what's his name? I gotta go back to it. John Gallagher Jr. He's been in a lot of shit too. Like he was in Ten Cloverfield Lane, Hush. Oh yeah. Um, like he's he's a really solid decent he was in come play he played the dad in come play oh yeah yeah um he's a good little actor i really the belco experiment he was in that he was also in underwater um so yeah he's been in a fair amount of films so it was nice to see him in this one um this is definitely a slow burn well acted worth it but buckle up for a for a, a slow ride and you know not the biggest payoff in the world this is very much more about like I would say relationship horror, multiple different relationships. Yeah. I was going to say like, um, cause yeah, like, like we were saying, like the pacing's a bit of an issue, but uh, like, I think, and for me, the third act just didn't work. Yeah. I think for me, the first two acts and like the mystery behind what the fuck happened had me more invested than when the reveal happened. And that's fair, right? Like it's, it's, I definitely probably liked it more than Scotty did. So, you know, use your discretion at that. You know, if you tend to side with me when you like movies and you'll probably like this one more, if you send with Scotty, you may not like this one as much. Don't get me wrong. I still liked it quite a bit, but yeah, that was like my biggest issue. uh, Because I'm trying to look up what I gave it. uh, You gave it three stars. Okay. Yeah. Which is probably a lot that has to do with the acting. Yeah. Like the acting. And like I say, like I was totally invested with the, uh, whole mystery behind what was going on i like i really wanted to figure out what happened to her boyfriend and shit yeah and like that little brianna chick man like she's she's a good little actress i look forward to seeing her in more shit oh absolutely um, i really liked her a lot actually she stood out to me with some of the stuff she did in that film that was so kind of like mean yeah you know she was really and like to see her in unhuman earlier this year where she plays such a like do the right thing and like I, I really have props for that when I like she is somebody I could put up for protagonist of the year and antagonist of the year. Yeah, that's true. Like, and that's rare that I see a character that plays both of those fairly decently well. Right. Yeah. Cause I, right? I didn't recognize her at first, but then yeah, once you mentioned it, yep, that, yeah, that's impressive. Right. Like, so I, you know, good little actress. I hope to see her more. And she seems to be doing good in the horror genre. She was also in um, the second 47 meters down. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I had some she, of that movie. Yeah, like so she's obviously not bad. She obviously has some acting chops to her. So we'll see what else she uh, she comes out with. So this is available on iTunes, Google Play, Microsoft Star, and YouTube for rental. 
And then we have the final one. And I'll let Scotty bring that in because I watched it only because he told me it wasn't that bad. And he was right once I got past the first. Yeah, story. so you just had to get past that first story. Yes. So uh, the movie we are talking about is another Shutter exclusive uh, directed by Spider One, who is Rob Zombie's younger brother. He is also known as the lead singer of Power Man 5000. Um, but this is his directorial debut, and it's a uh, an anthology. And I didn't know that going into it, but uh, it will help because uh, that this first little segment slash story is a bit rough to get through. But uh, it's the synopsis is a group of artists, uh, a group of artists' lives become unwittingly tank- entangled as their obsessions and insecurities manifest monsters, demons, and death. Um, I would say this was an all right little uh, anthology. Like I, I really thought that Spider One, for being his directorial debut, did a very good job with directing. Um, he got what he wanted out of the characters' performances. There's a lot of really cool special effects to it. All I feel was like some stories, obviously, like always, hit or miss in anthologies. That just happens. But the thing I feel was missing was each story just did not feel fleshed out enough. Like it just felt like. Uh, felt like they just needed a little more time to simmer if you know what i mean yeah yeah totally um so i didn't know scout taylor compton was in this yes she was in the story but the date right yep oh man I yeah like it came up as that was uh, her. yeah her name on the screen was scout compton instead of scout taylor compton yeah i didn't recognize her at all to be honest with you um I'm glad Scott encouraged me to go through this because I, the first scene, I was like, oh my God, if this is 70 minutes of this, there's no way I'm going to be able to fucking handle this movie. Now, that being said, the main actor that's in that scene is not a bad actor. No. He's actually a very well-known, good actor. Yes. He was just annoying me in the role that he was in. Yeah, because that's the the type of annoying character he was supposed to be. Right, exactly. Um, I thought it was Rob Zombie who was in this, but it's not who plays the Whistler. I thought it was Rob Zombie for a second. I couldn't get a clear look at him because I was watching it on my phone. Um, It's not Rob Zombie. No. (laughs) I thought it was not Rob Zombie. Um, which I was kind of pissed off. I'm like, Rob Zombie couldn't even be in his fucking brother's film. <laughs> right. Like, he couldn't do a cameo. He couldn't, well, he couldn't do that. Huh, I Rob? mean, Rob Zombie is touring and also just finished, you know, filming the monsters. So, I mean, I, I understand. He's a busy it's, man. But, but this is his brother. Right. Right. I mean, he, he couldn't, he couldn't the, share a day of filming and show up and play. Right. Well, the thing that I'm questioning is I have not seen Rob Zombie even promote this movie, which kind of makes me go, dude, this is your little brother's directorial debut. Promote the shit out of this. You have the, you Maybe are it's more it's well better than his films. I don't know. Like, right? honestly, I didn't, I thought this was really well directed. Yeah. Like the directing, like, amazing. Like, and the writing was good. And I got how it was about allegory with like the artists coming together. I honestly thought it was a clever little anthology. Um, I think people will be lukewarm on it, but I don't think it was bad. Yeah. Like, I think that it was clever enough for what it was. Um, some of the stories were stronger than others. The one with Scout Taylor Compton, I thought was kind of weak. Oh, see, um, I actually liked that one. Did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I enjoyed the one with the rock band and how it all kind of comes in full circle. Yes. Um, that one I feel was the most fleshed out of all the stories. Yeah. It was the longest. Yeah. Too. 
And I thought that it did a good job of intertwining everyone artistry together. Like this is a really great average, you know, um, film and there was no Cheryl Moon in it unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah, Sherry Moon. <laughs> yeah, right. Sherry Moon. Sorry, Sherry Moon. And there was no unnecessary fucking trailer trash talk. Um, so yeah, Spider One, keep it up, dude. I'd yeah. like to see what else you got coming. Yeah, I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this wasn't just like a one and done passion project. Yeah. I'm hoping he does more because I'm, because yeah, that, for a directorial directorial debut, I am very impressed. Like, yeah, uh, especially because it's not easy to direct an anthology to make no. each story feel different. And he does a great job with it. Yeah, and and they, I thought they all came together well enough. Honestly, I thought it was a decent enough film. I, I don't think Oh Man is the best anthology that ever exists or anything like that. Obviously not, but nope. oh, it but was it good. May- it was entertaining for what it was. I mean, it may be the best one in twenty twenty two because it, it really may hasn't win anthology that- of the year because there's not much competition, but. Um, right? Yeah, and I'm not shitting on Rob Zombie. Like, hey, if you're a Rob Zombie fan, rock on. I don't hate all his movies. Don't get me wrong. Of course, I like Devil Rejects and, you know. House of Thousand Corpses. House of a Thousand. Um, and I didn't even mind 31, but I don't really like Rob Zombie. So that's probably why I didn't mind 31. So I was like, no, no, this is interesting. Yeah, I was um, saying like uh, me, I'm like Lords of Salem, Devil's Rejects, House of Thousand Corpses. I enjoyed them. 31 was yeah. all right. Like, And the take I, he did on the Halloween films was fine. Like, yeah, I'll say I've, of it. there hasn't been a movie that I've hated. No, no. He doesn't come out with stuff and I'm like, oh man, what a stupid fucking film. Right. I'll give him credit. He does things that are different that other people don't think of. Um, but I thought this was good. I thought it was good for what it was. Yeah, like I, I'm glad you ended up giving it a second chance. Yeah, yeah I knew you turned it right off after like the beginning part. Well, of that I couldn't story. put a 70 hour, 70 minutes of that shit. I was no. like, if this is all it's gonna be, I can't handle this. But I'm like, a 10 minutes short, yeah, I can handle that. That's yeah, fine. exactly. Like, and yeah, um, the other stories made it worthwhile, right? Uh, but yeah, so this is available on the shutter, AMC Plus, Microsoft Store, iTunes, and and Google Play. I'd say it's worth a rental, but if you got the Shuddy, I'd say watch it on the Shuddy. Yep, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, I'd definitely say this is definitely worth a watch and, you know, support new directors. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't know. I'm I think he's pretty good and I hope to see more stuff from him. Yeah, same. I want to I'm I want to see him get uh cuz it looked like it was a pretty decent budget at least from the looks of it. So, yeah. like so I'm hoping yeah. to, like to see more of that. Like just continue to give him money, let him like just use his creative juices. Just let him be. Let yeah. him be. Oh shit! Looking at your older watch, I, have oh, I know. Have you seen this it. one? Nope. I heard Tim and Daniel review it, and then now I'm good to hear you talk about it. Well, I won't talk about it as much as they did. So I watched the 1971 Steven Spielberg classic Duel. Um, I watched this a while ago. It's just I haven't had a chance to talk about it. It's basically like Maximum Overdrive, only not. Um, it's it's interesting. It's basically a crazy truck driver that hunts this guy across the interstates and uh, in his truck. And it's not bad, you know, for a 1971, I guess you would say chase thriller film. And I think it was made for TV as well. Yeah, I believe it was. Um, And you can see where Steven Spielberg got kind of his directing style from, um, how he wanted the camera shots to be, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, if you like 70s classics, and you like the thought of a guy in a semi-tractor trailer, like similar to, uh, what was that movie? Candy Game. Oh, Joyride. Uh, yeah, Joyride, yeah. Like, I think Joyride got some inspiration from Duel 1971 for sure. Oh, I'm um, guaranteed it did. Right? So I'm glad they didn't call it a remake because they could have. Yeah. Because people will do that. They'll retell the story and then call it a remake, right? So, and the story is actually aligned close enough. It's crazy semi-tractor trailer driver hunts you down. Like, 
what more do you need? Right. Because very you do simple. something that pisses them off. Right. Yeah. So definitely check it out. If you haven't had a chance to, especially if you're a 70s completist fun film, great to see Steven Spielberg's original stuff. Nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to watch it because watch it. It's fun. Yeah. I'll say, cause after hearing Tim and Daniel talk about it too, I was like, okay, I got like, it's one that I've been wanting to check out because of that after they reviewed it. Did you like Joyride? I did. Yeah. You'll probably like this then. Sweet. Yeah. I'll definitely yeah. check it it's out. It's like then. the earlier version of Joyride. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, and I actually brought an older watch. <gasps> I know. Like I, I said, was I'm, shocked. I had to look double twice to make sure that I actually was reading that properly. Like I'm on top of the motherfucking game right now. Honestly. Um, but actually I technically watched, uh, three and a half older movies that all kind of tie into this. Cause I'm still oh, kind of nice. going through it. But, uh, since this is a first time watch, this is the one that I brought, but, uh, cause, of, cause of the good, our good old friends, horror for dummies. I know we've been blowing them a lot today, you know, and oh, I, my wow. lips are getting chapped, but Tim, oh man, I'm still going for you, baby. Right. <laughs> um, uh, just wanted to, like, they've been, they started covering the, fa- uh, phantasm, uh, cause one of their patrons picked phantasm and they decided they're going to do the entire franchise. Cause Tim's never seen any of the sequels and Luffy's never seen any of them. Um, I've always loved Phantasm, as you could, if you remember from our top 70s episode we did, uh, Phantasm was right up there on the list for me. I love that movie. It's so weird and alien and fucking Angus Scrim as the tall man is just awesome. So I realized when they talked about this, I was like, you know, I kind of want to watch the franchise because I've seen one, two, and five, but it's been a long time since I've seen two and I've only seen five once when it first came out. So I went through and watched part one, watched part two again. Yep, still absolutely love both of them. They're a lot of fun. And I decided part three I have not seen, so I need to watch that. And part three is Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead, released 1994, directed by Don Coscarelli. And I love the tagline. If you don't get it this time, he'll have to drill it into your head. (laughs) Uh, But this one is the tall man, that imposing menace from Morningside Mortuary is back and once again haunting the thoughts of the now adult Mike and his friend, ex-ice cream vendor Reggie. The two continue their hunt for the mysterious figure and in his path of destruction, encounter a variety of dangerous situations, friends, and enemies. Um, Yeah, so this one is basically almost like uh, the tall man is basically just wiped out towns and like, mm-hmm. it's almost like a survival apocalyptic world now where they're kind of just going through and like meeting people that are like assholes and meeting people that are friends. And it's definitely a little more tongue in cheek, definitely has a little more comedy to it. Um, but it, I found this to be just as fun. Um, it's not as good as part two, but I still really enjoyed it. And it added a little more depth and story to the tall man giving you a little more backstory to them. Um, And I definitely, if you like Phantasm 1 and 2, definitely recommend continuing watching this. I'm halfway through part four and I'm loving that one. And that one gives a lot more in-depth detail of the tall man's history. So I'm very curious to finish that one off and then rewatch part five just to refresh myself and finish off the franchise. But man, it's such a weird, silly franchise, but holy shit, do I have fun with it. Phantasm is such a weird movie in the begin with, right? Like, oh, it is. And I gotta say, I respect him and Daniel for coming out and Tim saying that he finds it boring. Like, I think a lot of people are afraid to say that classic films are boring because they're worried people are gonna get upset. I do think Phantasm, you know, we know we should watch that Scotty Halloween. I haven't watched it in a long time. And when you come up here and we carve pumpkins, we should put on Phantasm. Because it has been a very long time and I feel like I don't really know if I like it or I said I liked it to just impress people. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's very weird. Yeah, it is. A a lot is not explained. Um, 
And I can see where Tim, especially back then, thought it was boring and I, how he kind of thinks it's boring, a little boring now, yeah. but he likes it a little more. But for me, I, I never found it boring. I felt the pace was good. It yep. just has some very cheesy effects and yeah, just leaves you good kind of just scratch your head like what, what what's going on? What happened? Well, Why? and boring to each person, right? Like yeah. that's it's so subjective. And oh, it definitely is. You know, and I think sometimes though people don't want to say something's a classic. Like when Tim and I interviewed, he's like, I'm gonna say it. I think the shine's shining is boring. And I think The Shining is a drawn out movie too. I really do. I think it's a great film. Don't get me wrong. It's well made, but it's basically an overglorified story about a guy going to a hotel and going crazy. Yeah. Like it's, that's, that. that's what it is, right? And that's fine. Like I'm not trying to say it's not a good made movie. It's just what you find great, someone else can find boring and vice versa. Right. I just don't like it when people use the term woke. Yeah. Anything else is fine. I you know, I don't like it. It wasn't for me. I'm not interested in political issues. I'm tired of hearing about this issue. Fine. But when someone goes, I didn't like it because it was too woke, I automatically think you're stupid. <laughs> it's just, right. That's what I get to. You know, another option could be, I just wasn't for me. It wasn't my thing. I don't feel the need to insult people who like specific films. Like I tease Scotty about Beavis and Butthead, obviously, but like he likes that. I'm never going to be like, well, Scotty, you're dumb because you like Beavis and Butthead. Like, of course right. not. This thing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm eventually going to check out the Phantasm ones too, but I think when you come up for Halloween, maybe that's something we should watch. Yeah, I'll Phantasm. say, I mean, I just rewatched it and I am down to rewatch it again because I, I do love the first couple of movies. Yeah, and I feel like maybe like watching it with you, um, like even like when I was talking to to George, I invited George to do the stuff that Scotty and I are doing together and other friends. And he's like, nah, you and Scotty do your thing because like you guys have a different appreciation for stuff and we do. Oh, yeah. Like George watched Choose or Die with us um which was fine it was a netflix film but like there's certain films that scott and i will watch that other people won't sit through right you know like and and it's it's just because we have a different interest in it we do the show we watch all 2022s like we're more likely to sit down and watch more than the greatest hits we get to the we get to the real b-side c-side d-side e-side yes we do right um so i guess we'll move to uh you know scott like do you just wake up and think everything sucks you know it's and just everything one of is days. and do you ever find that it's about the he said she said bullshit ever a hundred percent and man do i want to break stuff <laughs> you know what i think i might do i think i might break your fucking face tonight because <laughs> i'm packing a chainsaw <laughs> and i'll skin your ass raw so for our what's new section uh, I forget what day it was this week. I think it was Wednesday morning. Scott messages me and he's like, oh man, I'm doing something different. I'm watching the train wreck Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix. I'm like, you're no fucking kidding. I binged that shit last night. So I was like, I was going to talk about it for what's new. He's like, so was I. I'm like, let's talk about it together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause holy shit. <laughs> holy fuck. So even though, you know, yet again, people could argue with us, this isn't horror. Uh, I suggest you watch episode three of fucking this documentary because it basically turns into the fucking purge. Yeah. Um, before the purge was even a thing. Um, I don't know, Scott, do you want to give your thoughts on it first and then I'll give mine? Yeah, I'll, I'll even give a little history. So like, obviously okay. 1999, I was 17 years old. I, I was, I was 16. Yep. And I was a big fan of a lot of these bands that were coming to Woodstock. And this was such a big deal. I watched a lot of the, uh, the stuff on MTV when they were going live there and shit like that. And it was really cool. And I was all excited. And then I remember start hearing the horror stories of shit that went down and seeing like shit on fire and shit getting destroyed and people getting raped and some people dying. And 
holy shit, like what the fuck happened? And well, this Netflix documentary definitely does a deep dive on what the fuck went wrong with this whole situation. And holy shit, was there just corners cut, mistakes fucking made, and Mm -hmm. no Mm -hmm. one fucking taking blame for what happened. And my... Like the first episode, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a watch and just kind of see. And that first episode, I'm going, okay, I'm glued. What the fuck is going on here? How did this happen? Like, this is such a big deal. Woodstock 99 is a huge thing. And you got all these amazing bands like showing up and performers showing up for this. And you have so many people. Was it 200,000? I think they said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was insane. And then to hear like, yeah, they decided to change the venue and put it on a giant blacktop concrete in the middle of fucking summer, making it people, making it so people couldn't bring their own bottled waters in and forced to buy. You know what? They still, they still do that at festivals. So this was the time where Warp Tour, Edge Fest in Canada. Did you have Warp Tour? tour? Yep. Did you ever? And then Lilith Fair. I went to both Edge Fest and Lilith Fair that year. So and I think I was, went to Warp Tour around that time. Did you go to Warp Tour? And those were days, like you would just go for a day. Sometimes yeah. they had back-to-back days, but you would go home. There was no, except for Edge Fest. Edge Fest, you could actually camp there when it used to be at the Molson uh, Campground out in Barrie. Could you camp for Warp Tour? Um, I think Warp Tour, like at least the one I went to, was only one day. It was just the one day. Um, so like I couldn't bring in bottled water to any of those events. You had to buy. Yeah. So that to me didn't shock me. That they the, did that. The prices for nineteen ninety nine. Yes, yes that was a shocking piece. Yes, like those are the prices you'd expect to pay now in twenty twenty two at festivals mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. which is still ridiculous. But you know that's part of the venue and that's part of you know going to concerts. But like four dollars a bottle of water nineteen ninety nine, that is fucking insane, right? Especially when everybody that's going are basically teenagers. Yeah, yeah, and totally. College totally. students who don't have a lot of money, but. They sold out the rights, and in defense, the goal of those vendors was to make money. Shit, the goal of the promoters of the show, that was what they ended up wanting to make money. That was the biggest mistake right there. And and let's be real talk. Um, Edge Fest and Lilith Fair were both to make money. Now, when I went to Lilith Fair, like, let's, I'll give you the lineup. Sarah McLaughlin, Mm -hmm. Sheryl Crow, Dixie Chicks, um, or the big ones that I can remember, Deborah Cox, who's Canadian that no one really knows about um and whatever like it was all chicks right and it was generally speaking pretty pretty tame the edge fest i went to um billy talent the the closing act was good charlotte um but there was like that was a little more intense and it was and it was a ripoff but you knew going in all i think the problem was these kids didn't know because I knew going to the Molson Man Theater how much food was. Yeah. Like I knew. So I knew that I had to bring spending money for that. I think the problem was communication here. These kids didn't know. Yeah. Like there was no like saying, you know, can't bring things in. There was nothing. Or like was... here's how much the prices are going to be. Yeah. Like, you know, you knew at Molson Man Theater how much stuff was going to cost you. You knew. And right. it was a ripoff. But you knew going there it was going to be a ripoff. Yeah. Right. But like you're there for three days in the fucking sweltering heat doing 
they all got their drugs in, so they obviously didn't take everything away from them. Right. Um, <laughs> right? They did a very shitty job of uh, right? searching people. If like They, they, they like took they their were... bottle of water, but they sure didn't get all the fucking E and mushrooms and fucking weed that people yeah, so it basically looked in. like It basically looked like they went, hey, don't bring that in because we want to make money off you. Exactly. Eh, we'll ignore the drugs because uh, you're going to need to get drinks anyways. Well, and then you'll fucking eat more. Yeah. If you fucking smoke, you're going to get the munchies. Yeah. So you're going to buy. Yep, they just didn't want anything right. coming in that would take away from the money. Oh, it's about profits, yeah, 100%. Yep, yep, yep. And fuck these promoters. Fuck every one of them. That John yeah. Shear guy, the financier yeah. or whatever. What a fucking piece of work that dude was. Holy shit. Like, literally taking no blame for anything. And, like, because, uh, you know, day one, like, people were enjoying it. And they were, uh, he was even talking about how, like, yeah, you know, the end of the night, we had uh, corn come on and oh man that was the that's way too much of a heavy metal like thing like like they were amping the crowd up way too much and blah 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 and i'm going yeah it's fucking corn they're coming out doing what they're getting paid to do they're coming out getting the crowd hyped up because they are metal artists like you can't blame them for that shit well and like if they had listened to the one guy that was in the meeting yeah back when they were putting this all together like look like i'm gonna name some of the acts just offhand here corn bush the offspring dmx Oh shit! Yes, yeah. was there. Um, at the other stage, the Roots, Buck Cherry, Lit, Spitfire, Moby performed at this place. Yeah. It was, he was on the third stage. Okay, we have Metallica, Rage. We'll get to Bl- get to Limp Biscuit in a little bit. Winecleft John, Kid Rock, um, Chemical Brothers, Everclear, Fatboy Slim, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, what did you fuck? Megadeth, Godsmack, Ice Cube. Like, what? What what did you fucking think was going to happen? Yeah. When you put some of these groups in, now mind you, this music took me back to how angry we were at 16, 17, 18. Like our generation had a lot of angry mm-hmm. fuck you music. But anyway, I agree. And I am not a corn fan. Let me make this very clear. I do not care for them. I tried listening to them recently and I'm like, still don't like corn. Not my thing. But you should have watched the fucking music video and been like, well, gee, these guys are pretty angry. I wonder what they're going to like get going from the crowd. I agree with you, Scott. Right. And, like, and they and, didn't listen to any of the young kids that were like, you don't understand the lineup you're putting together. And they were like, we want to make money. Yeah. And these are what are mm-hmm. popular. And, right? um, and you know, in corn, yeah, angry music. But at the same time, they weren't assholes like trying to get people to destroy shit or anything like that. No, that's not what they were about. They're just, no. you know, they're getting the crowd amped up. They want people jumping. Mm-hmm. They want the crowd to like start doing that giant wave of jumping. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, that's that is what metal is, especially back then. And, and let's be realistic. We're two 40-year-olds watching this now. We know how dangerous that was. Right. But 16, 17-year-old Heather and Scotty and like these corn guys that were in their early fucking 20s, they wouldn't have given a fuck about how dangerous that was. Right. Like we would have been, would we would have been, I would have been trying to make my way through the mosh pit, get into the fucking front row. Yeah. And like we would have been like, oh, it's a big we would have been saying the same thing me as an adult watching that i had an anxiety i'm like oh my god these young kids what's gonna happen to them corn you know i got it i was like yeah corn does need to turn it down a bit i'm like but no they don't no that is i'm i'm trying to like in my this is 40 year old heather talking not fucking 20 early 20s and fucking teenagers yeah what did they think would happen (laughs) right and (laughs) like and it's you know and they they could have done something to where you know this lineup of all these different bands from musicians all they had to do was literally line up who performed after who specifically to kind of like counterbalance the audience. Well, they did with Bush because I'll well, give Gavin Rossell credit. Kind well, of and sung like, swallowed and brought them all back down. Yeah, I was going to say because like uh, 
Bush, because Governor Asdale came out and, you know, like, I love Bush as well, like, but, uh, um, yeah, yeah, you do. But, uh, no, he, like, he came out and he was able to calm the crowd down. But the fact that he, it was basically put on his shoulders to calm this crowd down again, that is not mm-hmm. cool. What should have happened is probably corn should have been like middle of the day, earlier in mm-hmm. the day, mm-hmm. get the crowd hyped up, and then more mellower shit going on like throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the day. Like the way they lined this up was just yeah. like once again, like that one guy said, no one listened to me. I was trying to tell them the this is the performers you're putting on here. We got to figure this out here in a different way. I agree with you 100%. I'm looking at the set right now. So that afternoon, Sugar Ray was billed. He never showed up. Shocker. You had had Jamiroquai, who is very chilled. Yeah. Live, which was one of my favorite groups. Also very chilled. Yep. Cheryl Crow. And then you threw in on DMX, Offspring, Corn, and Bush. So the last four groups you had were hardcore groups. Like they're yeah. all, you know, and, and it sounds great for a lineup. Honestly, on paper, that makes sense to me too. You want the relaxed stuff in the afternoon, the more intense stuff in the evening. I think the problem was, is that they thought a whole bunch of teenagers and a bunch of 20 year olds in a band that are now going out to 200,000 people chanting their name. We're going to have the common sense to be like, oh man, this could be a dangerous situation. That was on the adults that organized a fucking event. Yeah, because the band members going out to a crowd like that, that's intoxicating. And a bunch of 20-year-old kids. Yeah. Like, Corn were fucking babies. Right. Like, those guys were maybe a year or two older than the people that were at that concert. Right. Like, and you're going to ask them to be the ones to fucking navigate the situation. Gavin Rossdale, if you look at him, he's a little bit older. Yeah. That's why he probably went out there and was like, fuck, I don't want to fucking stampede and something right. happened to me. That's why he opened with Swallow. Yeah. Right. And he came out with his, uh, their shirts on. They're hot. They look good. People are still jiving them. They probably, because I thought, are they going to come out with Machine Head? Or is that what they're going to fucking open with? Right. Right. And You know, I agree with you, Scotty. I think that the promoters blamed young people for being young people. Yep, and blame bands. Blame bands for being young people in a band. Yeah. Like when they had no idea what type of music they were talking about. Well, and like you have a whole bunch of people in that in that situation. And we'll get to the horror part of it because Scott and I are just debating band tracks and stuff now. And it's just because we're frustrated over like the lack of ownership. But by Sunday, yes, the the conditions were horrible. We're talking like porta potties and shit everywhere like fucking tainted water tainted water no food trash garbage like you have two hundred thousand people and you have a generation like woodstock 99 you look at the music that played there it was all like love anti-war oh Listen you mean to with, a- uh, in the 60s yeah 1969 oh Listen i thought you said 99 to- my bad sorry 1969 listen to fucking limp biscuit i have i've gone back and listened to limp biscuit they were angry now they annoy me because i'm like shut the fuck up fred durst life isn't right. that hard but at like 18 17 years old 16 years old i was like yeah fred fucking gets it like every other kid there our generation was raised on angry fucking music bush corn dmx um insane clown posse like that is the groups that people were like oh yeah they fucking get me yeah they fucking get me so so you have a whole bunch of people this isn't about peace love and by the way in 1969 the food was free by the way too so you know you 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 made this into a profit event with a huge group of people in an enclosed area and you wonder by sunday you have fucking overflowing porta potties and then Yeah, because I was going to say, like, they uh, didn't hire enough people for cleanup. Nope. They didn't hire enough security. Nope. In fact, they were bringing kids off the the street to be security. Oh, yeah. Instead of, like, instead of actual professionals that are and paying them. 
they were just getting people to come in for free because they could be part of the experience and yeah like this was a fucking disaster from the beginning of planning it like because the cutting of the fact that they cut costs yeah that is the biggest issue of this all is like you cut costs and you fucking instead of having like hiring your own like food vendor people that would have you know made a profit and like sold things for a little more of a higher price you outsourced it and these people by the end of day three were selling bottles of water at twelve dollars a bottle because there was no fucking rules in place and they're just like fuck it we can just raise our prices to whatever the fuck we want right so you got a you got a generation that's raised on angry music you got raves going on with flat boy slim you got people dropping e you got people not sleeping you got drugs and alcohol all weekend you had 200,000 people and the guy, one guy from who organized 1969 was like, well, you know, in 1969, we didn't want police there. It's a different culture. Yeah. And you set it up differently. So, you know, basically what Scott and I are getting up to is at the time, everything changed. So Rod, Rod, Red Hot Chili Peppers performs. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Oh. Sunday night, they go on stage, they're performing for some reason the promoter that did the 1969 Woodstock mm. and is now doing the 1999 thinks that they need to do some kind of peace vil- uh, visual because of the gun violence in the United States with Columbine and other such things. Yep, which, okay, makes sense. Yeah, too bad it didn't work because you guys still get a lot of school shootings. But, right, but and, well, um, I mean, uh, well, obviously it didn't work because uh, look what happened. Well, yes, and then that too. Because um, the idiot thought it was a good idea to give out fucking candles, candles. and lighters to candles. drunk people who are already pissed off and angry high like honestly it was the dumbest shit i've ever seen so fires break out and we're talking not we're not talking fires like oh look at the little bonfire we're talking like fucking blaze the motherfucking roof down fires it looked like a scene from the purge i was watching this and i'm like wow this looks like the purge i even looked at pictures online before we recorded i'm like looks like the purge yeah it literally looked like the purge and it got real bad. So um, what I learned from this documentary is one, the music in our youth was very angry. Everyone was mad. Um, I have totally gone back on everything I said I wouldn't do. Uh, good Charlotte said, and I quote, uh, get a good job. That's what they said to me. Go to university. Go no, go to school. That's what they said to me. Get a good job. I don't want to be like you. Uh, I am definitely like them. I have become them. Uh, I have a good job. I... Uh... <laughs> house i have totally gone against all the uh things that i said i wouldn't do sorry corn sorry limp biscuit mm-hmm. sorry the good charlotte sorry the foul up boy um sorry sorry billy talent um i definitely also uh engage in capitalism all the time <laughs> but um i think this movie was um, this, this documentary just highlights how you cannot recreate something with a culture that worked before and make it profitable right well and um, especially having promoters who are like older than us at the time yeah. making yeah. this and not getting the teenagers that they're trying to promote it to no and or not even you know they should have had a police presence there they should have had paid security they should have not outsourced if they wanted to make money they should have found a way to sell merch they could have sold i was wood woodstock 99 t-shirts and made a fucking bargain yeah um like there was so many ways they could have handled this and trying instead of trying to make it like Woodstock 69 when it wasn't Woodstock 69 was at the height of the Vietnam War and it was about you know peace love happiness free food this and that performers were just there to perform because they wanted to be there every single performer that was at fucking Woodstock 99 was there for a paycheck and there's nothing wrong with that right but that's why that's they were their, there. that's their career 
right? So it, it wasn't about a social movement. Limp Biscuit wasn't up there being like, oh, we're going to talk against gun violence in schools. He was telling people to engage in violence, which is fine. That's what when Limp Biscuit was about. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, making uh, it into something that it wasn't, right? Yeah. And speaking of Limp Biscuit, um, you know, we, <coughs> we got to highlight the fact that every one of the promoters, when not taking blame for them, like for their own faults, blamed everything on Limp Biscuit. And it's like yeah, everything on Fred Durst. Yeah. Like, oh, like they, he was instigating it and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it was, that is their music. He was doing what he was like out there to do, what he was paid to do. You mean a 22 year old kid who's been given fame and money and fortune and a group of people that were worshiping him and a fucking van of chicks waiting to fucking suck his dick in the back? Didn't yeah. think about his actions. Be more right. winning, like, come oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, one, and once again, you know, being a young band like that and seeing 200,000 people shouting your name and getting into your music, that's going to be intoxicating as fuck. And you are going to just live in that moment. And like, absolutely. And the last point I'm going to make on this, <laughs> it's about something else. So, there was a concert that was happening in downtown Toronto. It was called Spice, was going to be coming. She's a soca star. And my friend Ann wanted to go. And she's like, you want to go? I said, no, my days of that shit are done. I went to Edgefest. I went to a Lilith Fair. I did the festivals. I did the big outdoor performances. I know what this is going to be. Yeah. And at fucking almost pushing 40, I don't want to fucking do it. Right. Because you got to be a young person who has no fear to go to something like Woodstock 99. Like I would never go to Woodstock 99 at this age. I'd be like, what? No, if I was no. going to go to something like that, I would go for a day and they'd be like, I'm done. Go home. Yeah. You wouldn't even stay the night. Yeah. I would leave after like I saw the band I wanted to see. Yep. And I'm done. Right. And, but at that age, you don't think about consequences like that. You don't fucking care. Right. You're just there to have a good time. And that's what they were capitalizing on. But they didn't want to keep a people safe, which they didn't do. Yep. People safe, like sanitary wise, physically wise, everything. And then they wonder why people, and then they had high energy bands and then tried to blame a bunch of 20 year old guys who got up on stage and like, and you could tell the difference from Cheryl Crow's reaction, who was probably close to 30 at the time to the people like, like it blows my fucking mind how they didn't think about that. They're blaming a guy from a band who was 22 years old, who was standing up there, having people worship the ground he walked on and got mad that he wanted that. Like it it just makes zero sense. makes zero sense. And it's funny because, you know, like I said, they were blaming Limp Biscuit, but yet I didn't really hear them blaming uh, Anthony Akitas too much when they told him from Red Hot Chili Peppers after they were setting things on fire. Hey, go back on stage and try to calm the crowd down. And what does he do? They go out there and play Fire by fucking Jimi Hendrix. Right. Like, yeah, that is the wrong fucking song. Like, that is an asshole thing to do because you're and they are they were in their 30s at that time because they've been around since the 80s oh yeah they were older they knew better he just went out there and just fucking yeah fuck it and shit was it was ridiculous right it was and like in all fairness it wasn't on the and you and you said it press it wasn't on the artists anyway i just think you're expecting a bunch of artists who are young to and crowds that is young and full of drugs and alcohol and no sleep and shitty conditions to like like just sit there and like and fucking the whitest crowd i've ever seen was there anyone that was black there beside the lady from mtv like holy fuck was this like the wasp convention like it was crazy how many white people were at this event was there anyone of color i think there was i mean there seems like there would have been like especially for some of the performers that were there but you would think but like i didn't see anybody like it was very like it almost looked like a rich white kid event to be honest with you it looked like the fry festival or like what's that one the big one that takes place like um the one in uh the rich one coachella 
Oh, okay. I was like, I'm like no a idea trashy trailer trash version of Coachella. <laughs> oh, like there's all these white kids that like, you know, and they, the frat stuff. And like, anyway, you want to see an actual purge come to life. Watch this documentary because it is basically like a bunch of white people rioting. For yeah. Like three and, episodes. It's really crazy. And uh, yeah, you will be so angry at that John Shear guy. Cause like at the end, they talk about, people were sexually assaulted women were sexually assaulted a couple people were murdered and his response was so nonchalant i just wanted to reach through the fucking screen and punch him in the face because he's just like well yeah he's like it's sad that that happened but you know there were two hundred thousand people there and that's like a city so i mean in the city that type of stuff happens all the time it's like that no this was all on you you fucking piece of shit because you didn't have the security and you guys treated it like it was something it was wasn't anyway this is real life horror it is it will get you fired off scott and i have been this passionate even about movies we talked about in a long time I mean, shit, I think so this is the longest we've ever talked on a what's new segment <laughs> yeah we apologize that we tried to make this horror adjacent as much as we can because we did tie it back to like how fucking gross it gets and violent it becomes and scary scary um there's a part where they swarm a specific area and it's scary yeah like um, the poor sound guys in that section yeah oh well, not oh there's a second area too oh yeah end, yeah yeah right like and it's and it just shows you what the crowd mentality can do and and i and i think for me it just took me back to how angry music was in our youth yeah and you know it is what it is like every every generation has their stuff and i'm not saying that that was a bad thing okay it reflected how people felt and that's fine. I'd be really interested. I love that the corn guy was on there. Um, yeah, because you and, know he and because he's you know he's an adult now and he's got a like life, a wife, a kids, and shit like that. But he, he was, and I agree with what he said. He's like, I was just doing what I was supposed to do. Like he basically, he's like, I was performing, and he's right. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, and he even you know? he even said like you know what everyone else is screaming at the TV. This was uh, the mess up on the promoters' end. It was. He's, he's like these promoters didn't know what the fuck they were doing. He's like I've worked with millions of promoters throughout my career and these ones were the most careless and didn't care and you know yeah it was it's a very interesting documentary what i learned is i still don't like corn um but but <laughs> i was a huge fan of corn and i nice i don't like their songs nearly as much as i used to but like they, i still can jam out to corn here and there i will say from watching them perform because that audio is not in, enhanced it's from 1999 yeah they were very good live I oh they're give amazing them live. credit um and same with limp biscuit excellent yeah. fred durst was excellent live um not and limp biscuit isn't my go-to either i know the major songs but i would i definitely would be more of the jamiroquai jewel live tragically hip you know those groups that performed than i would be the other stuff but um yeah that was totally corn limp biscuit rage against the machine offspring yeah. metallica megadeth oh, I, I really like the offspring actually i really i think they've actually their songs are funnier as they get older too oh yeah <laughs> they've really aged well with their songs and what they sing about they managed to like grow with the generation that listened to them yep. um but check out this documentary it's great talking piece especially if you're like scott you know you're between the ages i would say of 37 and 45 you're really gonna fucking like get really yeah. passionate about it because because yeah, you were there during that time like you may not be may not have been there but you were yeah. you were in you knew about it and you knew what well that was our about. pop culture that was our time that was yeah. our that was our like you know battle cry yeah. was that type of music and how and, even um, me at that age angry teenage scott i'm watching this and going oh fuck that I would yeah. not want to be there. <laughs> right. Well, and like you get it though, you get the mentality. Like, 
I remember being at Edgefest and that was a really small in comparison to this. And that's a party mentality too. Yeah, same with But Ozfest. it was kept in control because there was security and a lot of it and they threw people out. The moment you were causing too many problems, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I don't care how much you paid for your fucking ticket. You're gone. Yep. I mean, right? shit, I've went to Ozfest many, 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 many years and that shit, I got kicked out because we were smoking weed. Yeah. Like right? it happened, like they, because you they had security that was, yeah, you had security that was watching thousands upon thousands of people, but you had enough people that security was walking through crowds, making sure yeah. shit was safe. Right. And yeah, we hated that as a teenager. We're like, oh, fuckers don't understand. I get it now. Yeah. They didn't want this shit to happen. That's why they didn't right? want a fucking like, you know, I remember I went to see Hanson when I was in grade nine and, uh, my girlfriends and I went and we sat on the grass and that was still the most intense concert I had ever been to. And they were not prepared for the security they needed there. I can imagine. Um, young women trying to get to these guys. Yeah. It was crazy. It was climbing up fences. And we're talking 14, 15, 16 year old girls. Right. Like there wasn't a lot of dudes there. It was mostly chicks, white chicks. Um, and it was, it was nuts. So yeah, you need, no matter what the concert is, you need crowd control. Yeah, and if absolutely. you don't have it and you don't have rules put in place, you know, as much as I hated that shit as a teenager, watching it as from an almost 40 year old version, I get it. But yeah, the fact that they're trying to blame a whole bunch of 20 and fucking teenagers for reacting the way they did is just scapegoating 100%, what the real yeah. problem was, right? But anyway, check out this documentary. That's it for a Friday Nightmares episode because our Polish horror section is not nearly going to be as exciting as this Netflix <laughs> documentary. Maybe Scott and I will just change it to documentaries we watch on Netflix that make yeah, from no our shit. youth and that we care about because apparently that's what like brings us to life. Um, <laughs> so when we come back, we'll talk about Polish, Polish horror films, one that we didn't get fucking at all. So hopefully someone else watched this film and they can explain <laughs> it to us. Um, but yeah, so after these messages, we'll be right back. This is a test of the emergency podcasting system. Listen to the Psychosemantic Podcast. Politics, movies, and political movies. Find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, legionpodcasts.com the psychosemantic podcast welcome back uh today we are going to be talking about polish horror films and i don't know one other film (laughs) that both scott and i don't get what happened so probably like this is sander kane's fucking number one movie ever sander well make guys like i don't know why you didn't like this movie it's very deep and I have a very good understanding of it. And we're like, but we didn't understand that the human or a bear. Yeah, I'll say after logging the uh, rating and putting it on Letterboxd, no one I follow has seen this movie. Now, Sandra Kane, you need to watch this movie because you need to tell us why we're wrong. Yes, and why, I'm very how curious. good it is. Because it has a 3.4 fucking rating on Letterboxd. 3.4. Yep. 3.4. Um, it must be because it's a 70s film. It must be. Yeah, and you know our our record with uh our track record with seventies film is not the best for. God and I do not like seventy films. We only like films that are made in the two thousand. <laughs> we do hey, not like older films. I appreciate certain older films. Yeah, did you appreciate this? I appreciated when it ended. <laughs> yeah, this one. Well, yeah, let's just jump right into it. So yeah, we might as well. All right, Scott, lead us in with this gem. All right. 
So when we decided to do Polish horror films, uh, I, well, actually, I guess I kind of decided, like, I just yeah, said, you did, you did. I was like, hey, let's do leader. Polish horror films, and here's a list of movies we'll cover, and here's where they can be found. All of these, except for the last one, can be found on Tubi, which is awesome. So everybody, if you want to watch these films, they are available on Tubi. Um, on the Tubi. And the last one is available on Netflix. But the first one we are going to talk about, I was just like, okay, this one's gotten some pretty good reviews. People have talked highly of it, like one mm-hmm. of the better Polish films to come out like in that time, in that era. So I was like, let's give it a shot. Oh my God. And it's one that I didn't, I've never heard anyone talk about, but it's called Locus, L-O-K-I-S, a manuscript of Professor Wittembach. And it was released September 25th, 1970. The synopsis is a pastor studying folklore in remote, part, remote parts of 19th century Lithuania is invited to stay with a young nobleman who the locals believe is the son of a bear. Um, what attracted me to this and why I picked it is because it said that it was basically a story of a werebear, which, you know, werewolf lore, there's always different were creatures. So there's were cats, were tigers, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And a 70s take on it. Um, I'm I'm not sure what happened. Uh, this was this was a chore to get through. It was only an hour and forty, but my God, did uh, like every ten minutes feel like a half hour? Yeah, like it was very dialogue heavy, which you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have no problem with. Um, but it just didn't even feel like a horror movie, and it felt almost like a drama. Um, I was really confused on what happened by the end. That I and I even told Heather like I finished the movie, messaged her going. Yeah, this movie was a chore to get through. I just finished watching it and I don't remember what I just watched. Like that's how much this stuck with me. Like it was it's it was well acted, well filmed, all that, but man, the pacing in this was a fucking chore. So like um <laughs> the professor arrives on a train and uh on the train there's some really nice ladies dressed in some nice dresses. And then we get to see some great animal cruelty. Um yeah, with like uh, with the Roma people treating bears um, horribly. It was pretty hard to watch. That was a really, t- I had to actually fast forward it eventually because I couldn't take it anymore. Um, yeah, um, this movie's dumb. I, I, I appreciate that people out there like it. And you know what? If it's your thing, that's awesome. But it wasn't a horror movie. I don't know why it's, it's stated that it is. Um, yeah. Horror in the sense that we spent an hour and 40 minutes watching it. Um <laughs> Apparently, um, the main guy in it is a bear, but he's a human, but he's a bear. And sometimes he gets too aggressive when he's dancing with women and he mauls them like bears. And um, oh, so that's what happened. OK, <laughs> I, yeah, I, she I, says, you're treating me like a bear because he was too oh, aggressive. Good Lord. Um, I don't get what the professor was doing. I don't understand what he was trying to figure out um, if he was a bear or not. If he's trying to help him. I don't know. Yeah, like this almost felt uh, very like. This mo- more felt like a Hitchcock style film, just not done as good. Yeah, I just clear. don't. Know. I like. I read the Wikipedia to try to understand, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> like, okay, like, so I'm not the only one. Yeah, okay, like I read the Wikipedia. They're like, every day Michael begins to display odd animal-like behaviors. He didn't share anything. He didn't display anything to me that was super animal-like. Yeah, like I didn't even realize he was a bear till like the very end when you seen the fucking paw prints that went from human to bear. Yeah, so like his mom was attacked by a bear. Yep. And like and, had him. And then had him and she went insane. Because he was a bear, but in a body and he can talk and stuff. And then he gets married 
and he releases all these random animals. Oh, and he kills his bride. He rips out her throat because he was a bear. I guess. So he killed her. Not maybe just a psychopath and he just killed her, but he's a bear. Um, yeah. And they and they kill a wild bear out in the wilds. Was that supposed to be him? I, I guess they go and they kill the bear. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Riveting, so riveting review, guys. He becomes a bear and they kill. <laughs> like, honestly, like this movie is super confusing. So um, we don't recommend it uh, unless you, maybe it's a Polish folklore thing that we don't understand. Yeah. Um, about a guy becoming a bear, getting married, killing his bride, and then hunters come back with a bear, assuming he's the bear that they killed because he end. turned into a bear. You know, he's been a human the entire time. Yeah, but, so, but somehow they know that this bear is him. Is is him? So yeah, this was the movie. Um, it it it's it must be some kind of folklore uh that scott and i didn't get because yeah, I, I i will say i liked a little bit of the building of the folklore with him talking about yeah yeah the mother was a bear or the, yeah. the mother the mother got bit by a bear she had him when she gave yeah. birth to him she freaked out because he was a bear but was able to talk and i'm like okay that's kind of a cool like little folklore story and yeah and like nothing really happened but he wasn't a bear he was a human and he was human and yeah you like, never saw him turn into a bear and yeah, even like, like when he would engage in bear-like behaviors it wasn't even like yeah anyway it was just human behaviors he ends up getting married to this chick and ends up killing her at the end um yeah i i want someone that would be more into these films so like you were saying xander kane yeah i would i'd be curious on your thoughts on this like i really it's your would. time to shine xander yep teach us because you are the one that know like that dives into more of these films more than us and yeah you teach us the ways of this because yeah we're not sure if this was supposed to be a good movie or not because i didn't get it don't get it i didn't think it was that good no, it was boring as fuck. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, props too if this had folklore to it. If you really like folklore, like a lot, like a lot. Like, like I love really folklore, but ugh. like you like to go to museums and read every single thing in the folklore section, even if it's boring, you may like this movie. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, no. Yeah, no. I'll say this was uh the one and for me, the one and only dud of the yeah. Polish films that yeah, I this picked. is a skip. This is a solid skip. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, well, let's get let's, to the next one. Yeah. Say, let's get into the next one. That's a lot more uh, uh, more to talk about. Yeah. Uh, so the next one uh, is called Demon released September 17th, 2015. Uh, I picked this one because I had heard a few podcasters back in the day talk about really enjoying this movie. So uh, first movie we're, or the next movie we're going to talk about is Demon, which was released September 17th, 2015. The reason I picked it is because a bunch of podcasters I listened to way back in the day had watched it and it had made some of their top tens. Uh, so I wanted to give this one a check out finally because I was very curious. So Peter receives a piece of land as a gift for his upcoming wedding. While preparing the property to build a home for his new family, he finds human remains in the ground. He decides to keep the discovery to himself so that all of the wedding arrangements can go on as planned. However, the deeper he tries to keep his secret, the more he seems to be under control of something, or rather, someone. And from then on, very strange things begin to happen. I fucking loved this movie. Love, 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 love it. Um, I didn't know what to expect going into this. I just knew that it revolved around a wedding day and didn't know mm -hmm. much more than that. Uh, the acting in this I found to be just incredible and 
especially from uh, Samitra, I think her name was, the yes. actress. Uh, yes. Her performance I found really incredible because she did a lot of acting without actually having to say a lot of lines. Like, yeah. the, like you could read everything she was going through on her face. Absolutely. Um, and this, of course, is totally a relationship horror film. So fucking grab me by the heartstrings and just like, they did such a great job of portraying like, like this, like I told uh, Heather on our, uh, in our chat, like this could have fit, this would have been a fer- perfect fit for our wedding themed horror episode we did. Oh, a hundred percent. It would have been. Yeah. Cause they like, it focuses like the main movie focuses on everything happening during this wedding. Like even they go through the traditions of your typical wedding with like the tossing of the, uh, what is the veil to like behind your back and all that stuff, like the typical stuff you'd see at weddings, plus like the Polish traditions, uh, which had a kind of a blend of Jewish traditions as well. Um, And it talked about, and what this talks about is the Dybbuk, which is a Jewish demon, if I remember correctly, or a Jewish possession. And yeah, poor Peter ends up finding this, like, like the synopsis says, finds a skeletal remains uh, on the property where he is building like his new home for him and his wife and yeah like he keeps it quiet because obviously the wedding's about to happen and they don't want anything happening there and like yeah he just starts acting strangely and starts feeling weird and like saying things out loud that he didn't mean to say and like yeah fully gets possessed by this yeah. Jewish woman that was uh killed in an unfortunate way back in the day yep and, she is just basically a lost soul that has been sitting around uh, in purgatory waiting for like a body to inhabit. Not, yep. And she comes out completely confused. She's not malevolent. No, she's not. She's just very confused and like distraught and doesn't want to leave the body because like she doesn't know like, hey, this is my body. Why are you trying to get me out of it? Yeah, totally. Totally. You're 100% right. That's the best definition I've heard. Like it's it, like it's just a very fascinating story because like it's mm-hmm. it's not an I mean it's very it's I would say it's borderline horror. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't have a lot of sensational stuff that happens in it, but it's very good storytelling. Yeah, and everyone's relationships come together really well. You see the awkwardness of the wedding with the father-in-law and the groom and the awkward interactions he has with the mother-in-law, the like that turns into the ghost. And it's so, the filming is so unique in this movie. The filming is really, really well done. And I feel like his grandfather did some wrongdoings, which is what happened with that woman. I feel like she was a bride Um, Mm -hmm. and some shit happened. And I really, really enjoyed how this film came together. It's not my favorite possession film, but it's up there as something that's very entertaining and worth watching. But you got to dig relationship horror and you got to be in it for the slow burn. Yeah, because it was like, because it was a slow burn, but to be like, it was paced well. Yes, I agree. It was very paced well. It was, it kept you interested throughout it. Yeah, maybe, and like I was saying, maybe part of that is because of my love for relationships and horror and like, yeah. And the fact that, you know, this is a different country and seeing their uh, wedding traditions and all that stuff too. Like I find all that stuff fascinating, learning other cultures. I agree. I think that it's a very well done, well-made, underwatched movie. I think a lot of people will enjoy this, but I think it's your... You're moving away from a typical what we think of when we think of possession film. It's it's a little more subtle and you would have to enjoy that subtleness to like this movie. Yeah. Right? Like, like and I and I love that they just kind of like because I think uh, also, you know, we're missing something, but I think there is a 
more like uh, the director is trying to say something with this film. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like there is something there that I'm just not grasping. Maybe yeah, it's because I'm American and don't get the culture references or whatever. But I think there is something that this movie is trying to say. And like, it makes me want to rewatch it a couple of times and read a couple of things on it just to kind of see like what it is that it's trying to say. I agree with you. I think this movie is trying to say something and it's trying to figure out exactly what it is trying to say. Yeah. Right. And like, and I think like, yeah, if I understood it, probably it would do an amazing job of explaining it. I just don't I, like, it's just beyond me. Um, Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to be like, oh, I get it. Cause no, I don't. No, like we don't pretend here in Friday's yeah. Nightmares that we're something that we're not. But no, this is definitely one of those movies where I do want to start finding some articles on it and reading about it. Cause it really intrigued the hell out of me. And this is uh, become one of my favorite possession films. Cause just cause it's subtle. It's not your typical, like I'm a, I'm going to possess you. And now I'm going to kill everybody. Cause I've possessed yeah. you and I'm an angry spirit, blah, blah, blah. No, no, yeah. no this is just subtle and it's um and if there is possession out there i feel it is more like this than it is like the sensationalized shit that we see on tv and movies absolutely i agree with you 100 um i really enjoyed this film i thought it was really well done i i didn't like it as much as you did i think it was definitely more your thing that was mine i found it a little slow for me but i recommend people watching it yeah, this is a high recommend and once again why Tubi is fucking awesome because they have shit Fuck like this yeah they have shit like this that no other streaming place really has. And you people that are not on Tubi need to get on Tubi because holy shit, they have an amazing collection. And yeah, this is a high, 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 high recommend for me. I love this movie. It probably would have been in my top 50 had I'd seen it. Right? In that year that it came out for sure. Yeah, so well, I mean, top 50, like all time movies. Really? From our episode that we did. Yeah, it would have probably been in that list. That's amazing. That's really cool, Scotty. Like I was fucking blown away by this. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I guess we can jump on into the next one. Uh, this one I know Heather definitely really, really loves. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, it's a good film. <laughs> so uh, the next one is Werewolf or in the uh, language that it came from, uh, the Voltkolek. September nineteenth, twenty eighteen. Eight children who have just survived the Holocaust and find refuge in an abandoned orphanage, only to be surrounded on all sides by a pack of bloodthirsty wolfhounds. Babies. In other words, good boys. <laughs> oh man, the dog training in this was actually really good. So this this is a really hard, a different take on what happens to Jewish children during the Holocaust. Um, these children managed to escape and they're kind of stuck at this orphanage until they run into another German guy who tries to fuck shit up. Who's a, a Nazi, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting watching the relationships with each other and how they manage food shortages and how the one guy or the one young man ha- was, is trying to mimic basically what he saw the German Nazis do to kind of get rid of these wolves that have surrounded them. These, these dogs, they're basically are shepherds um, that have surrounded them and are making it impossible for them to leave because they've been trained to kill people Jewish that are people. Jewish. Now, here's the thing. The second time watch of this, I was like, take off your fucking jacket that has the stripes on it. Yeah. Like throughout the whole time, I was like, why is no one taking off their jacket with the stripes on it? Right. I didn't even think about that. Like, cause if they, that's how they knew they were Jewish. Yeah. That's how they knew they were a target. That's yeah. Like, uh, 100%. When, now mind you, when she runs to the truck, it's chasing her because it's been taught to chase her. But if they 
had not had those jackets on and started to like do commands and stuff to them, I think that it would have gone very differently. Yep. I was gonna say like, uh, but yeah, like I, I love this movie. Like the first time I watched, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a pretty good movie. Like I enjoyed it. Like I definitely wasn't as high on it as you were at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Rewatching it while I was glued to the screen. I loved every little bit of it. Uh, it's very real story. Yes. Um, and like the only reason it's called werewolf is because uh, one there is one line that one of the children says is did the did the soldiers turn into wolves yes like he yes. thought the soldiers turned and in, transformed into wolves to kill because them. of how vicious they were right yeah with this movie what I find like the horror piece of it is more of a survival film I think and yeah. you know the relationships within the kids and stuff and and of course you get the one Nazi guy that shows up but I I do find the isolation and the fact that they're kind of in a situation where they do need to leave there they need to go out and get food um very stressful and how these kids manage to like keep going through everything they've been through is pretty fucking incredible yeah like you know what i mean the relationships of this like it's kind of like the demon film too that film focused a lot on relationships relationships with all the family relationships with bride and groom relationships with the ghosts like all that stuff and this is another one that focuses really strongly on relationships. Yeah, it really does. Like, it's just the relationship of everybody, every child involved. And, and like, like how the, no the hierarchy, right? Like, it's the kind yeah. of the chick and like the the main other kid that seemed to kind of be running the the roost kind of thing. Yeah, because they did have an adult, like a, an adult orphanage lady there, but she ended up getting killed. So yeah. yeah, they were just left to kind of fend for themselves. And then, yeah, you have the kid in the glasses that kind of was like, the lower rung of everybody because they just for some reason were just bullies to him treated because he was weird and like he almost almost seemed like a nazi sympathizer in ways yeah i think is why yeah, they treated he him like that he did right and it was hard to really kind of get a feel on who he was yeah like you could tell that right? like you could finally see it more when he uh learned when you learned the command when he learns the commands and like learned that they could get the dogs to obey him and he snuck out of the house and he goes and like at first I was thinking, I'm like, cause I forgot like what happened in the events of this movie yeah. for the most part, when he goes and finds that like little hideout where there's the canned food, I'm like, oh, you little asshole. You've been storing food out here and just like feeding Nick. You're just out here, like eating and being selfish yourself. And then the next morning comes around and he's back and he's got like a giant can on the table, like with plates laid out. Cause he thought, Hey, I'm bringing food for you guys. I'm like, oh, okay. So no, he went out there, risked yeah. his life to grab food for you. Unfortunately, what he grabbed was not food, but he didn't know that. What was it that he grabbed? Uh, they were quite... saying it was like engine grease, but I don't know what it was, like, oh, but it was right. like black okay. greasy something. Yeah. It was in food. Yeah. Um, but he had no idea because the can wasn't opened and it, he just assumed yeah. it was food. Yeah. He just assumed that it was. Um, it was a really, a really interesting movie on relationships. And it, and I think the title does throw people off because you think it's going to be a werewolf film. It's not. Yeah. Um, it's definitely based on, but it's probably one of the most dog, best dog isolation horror movie that we've seen. You know, oh, I think yeah. of the movie Prey, or was it Prey mm-hmm. that we saw? Like that one had the potential to be good. Had a good but boy, it, but that was about it. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was dumb and boring. This yeah. was not dumb and boring. This was engaging. You were really interested to see what would happen. And and it makes sense how they get to the point that they get to. Yeah. Like it was, and it's, yeah, like the entire time you are feeling for these kids and you're watching this hierarchy kind of break down as like, you know, they're trying to trust one yeah. another, but having distrust and like discourse amongst themselves and 
like you're feeling like one may betray them to the Russian slash German soldiers yeah. that are out there. And yeah. like, and you know, it's just like, it is basically, yeah, just like, you know, what a terrifying situation like this, like, and what they're forced to do and like to survive without water and food. And yeah, it's crazy. Like when it rains, you actually get a real relief for them. Yeah. Right. It pulls yeah. on emotions. Like these demon in this one really pulled on your feelings. The first one, I don't know what it pulled on. It maybe <laughs> it was trying to do that, but you just didn't get it. The, the, these two did. They pulled on yeah. your emotions. They pulled on your reactions. Um, and I think that's that really shone out in these two films. And I think these films were also a little political talking about anger about Jewish, like the, the wrong treatment of people that were Jewish. Yeah. And I think that that's something that obviously is a recurring issue in Polish speaking films. So, you know, that was really interesting to me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about that at the time, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like this is definitely like a theme of theirs, it seems. Right. So the final one it definitely is not a, a film about any kind of social <laughs> issue at all. It is it is basically a comedy, um, but I guess we'll finish off with that one. All right. So the final movie, this is the one that is on Netflix, and that is All My Friends Are Dead, released January of 2020. Friends at a New Year's Eve party go through a whirlwind of events that exposes secrets, breaks hearts and leads to a shocking outcome <laughs> shocking <laughs> um but <laughs> this is based i think when we talked about this movie back in 2020 or 2021 when we watched it yeah we were talking about it. it's basically american pie meets final destination <laughs> it totally is it totally is oh my god so yeah this is like total like frat party shenanigans oh my god it is it so is. just ridiculously over the top and silly but it is so fucking entertaining and there's things that I didn't catch watching this the first time that I did the second time. There's a part really, really early on where they come to the party and there's this guy that's a real player and he's talking to these two chicks and this other, his ex-girlfriend shows up and she's like, I let you pee on me. And the one guy, the one like conservative boyfriend says to his girlfriend, I would never pee on you. She's like, I know. (laughs) And like you, and you realize later what impact that has. But this is just a movie on unfortunate circumstances. Like everything that happens is just leading up to like a party going absolutely as wrong as possible and chaos just occurring. Yeah, like it's, it all starts with the uh, chick that's all about astronomy and an empath yes. and like her go, her boyfriend not really giving her any attention and not giving two shits. So she ends up like, hitting on the guy that's been secretly like taking pictures of her that's been taking pictures of the whole party and yeah they go and like smoke weed and start banging and she for some reason finds a gun and gets all excited it's like waving it around and while they're having sex she as she's orgasming accidentally pulls the trigger which goes through the door kills the post of the party (laughs) oh my god events from there just go absolutely insane and this is such a sexualized movie like i haven't seen a movie this sexualized in a very long time it is so it's horny it's it's very horny but it's very heterosexually horny there's only a little bit of non-heterosexual sex in it um it's very heterosexual but oh my god is it funny like and it's all the characters come together and you know there's a rant where that older woman was not really older she's just in her 40s and she gives that like breakdown of like that guy's like, oh, but I'm in love with you. And she's like, here's what's going to happen. And she's right. Yeah. She's like, like when she went over that, I'm in your thirties. I'm going to be in my fifties. 
Yeah. I'm going to be one stuck taking care of kids because you're going to be wanting something new and fresh and young. So you're going to be leaving me behind. And I'm like, yeah, yeah probably. 100%. That's exactly what's going to happen. And I, he's like, she's like, yeah, I'm the best sex you've ever had because I got 17 years of experience on top of these chicks. And like, you know, I sat there and I was like, I thought of myself and my sexual activity from the time that I was, you know, we'll say in my early twenties to now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot different because you've had experience. Like it's yeah. true. Like, it's true. Like you learn like what works and what doesn't, and you're more comfortable with your body and you're more like, she's a hundred percent right. And I'm like, that's why it's the best sex that this like 22 year old has ever had. Yeah. Because she's, or like, we'll say 25 or whatever age, she's almost 30. So she's like in her forties. Like, of course it is. Of course. Right. Because like, what? anyway, I just thought that was the most interesting dialogue. Because I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the first time I watched it, that like went over my head. I don't remember it sticking with me. But this time around, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Right. And and yeah, like uh, and it's got some real like conversations going on. While this movie is very sexual, very hetero, yes. all that, it does have some very realistic conversations in it. Like, you know, like yes. the uh, like the conservative uh, guy and his girlfriend that he's getting ready to propose to, you know, she's sexually frustrated because like she's not getting uh what she needs from him yeah 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 and she's talking to his sister about that and like and then you know what happens like i mean obviously the way she handles that later is just awful the way she calls him out and yeah like and then of course he reacts poorly but then like that turns into this like crazy sexual like thing with golden yeah. showers and all sorts of shit oh, going man. on yeah like golden showers on netflix was something i never thought i would see before <laughs> right but here we are with all my friends are dead um like yeah it, totally and yeah and it's just uh it's funny as hell like but yeah it's, this is why i say it's like american pie because it's like you said it's very hetero and to the point where the older woman is in a room with two younger dudes who like scored her some coke and she's like you know luring them to some coke it's actually baking soda and like yeah did they mix it with baking soda and uh some yeah something else oh fuck anyway and she's pretending that it's getting her high yeah oh fuck it's so funny and but like she's having them like say oh well what would you do to me i want you to show me on oh my gosh and it's like funny and it's funny as hell but at the same time it's like yeah that's definitely the american pie humor like oh no like guys doing another guy things oh this is so gross and then by the end they're like showing like you know what could have happened like in heaven or whatever and they're like together as a couple and shit oh man it was so great like it was just really yeah i i think when they all die because literally (laughs) like you see at the beginning like and it's the two cops that are in it that are coming in to see the crime scene you see the crime scene at first and then the movie basically goes backwards and shows you how it all got to that point and it's just like the perfect storm of shit that happens that leads to that crime scene. And then they're all in the afterlife, apparently having a much better life. And it's just, this is a movie that it takes every single stereotype, sexual stereotype, and just puts it over the top. It's just an over the top fucking film, completely over the top. Yep. And stereotypical characters that are way over the top as well. And just, it's, it's very just, there is no, I don't think there's anything like meaningful about this it's just more this is just dumb fun i would definitely agree that there is nothing meaningful about this movie it is supposed to be american pie on fucking steroids and dumb shit and you know if you were if you watched american pie and you enjoyed it for what it was um this though i will say there was where american pie lacked consent yes Mm, and some other issues and more homophobia i didn't find this one 
was openly homophobic. It was just situations where somebody was uncomfortable with having his guy friend pretend to bang him in the ass. Like I, like that I could get, like, I probably may not want someone to do that to me either. Right. I didn't feel that was like a homosexual thing. I felt that was more of a comfort thing, but I did find that the sexual things that happened were all consensual. Uh, I'll say for the most part. Uh, what was, what are you thinking? That, oh yeah. The two chicks. Yeah. Those two chicks were, um, they were basically rapers. Yeah. Cause like, uh, like the You're French right, guy, I forgot about them. I forgot like, about them. The French guy, like he obviously was into it and doing it. Like they, he just was confused what was going on. Cause he yes. didn't speak the language. Um, yeah. But the one, the part that I'm thinking, the part that I'm thinking with those two was the guy that was tied up. I forget why he was tied up and gagged. Oh, and that then one, those yeah. girls come in and just start having their way with them, like because they're yes, that, that yes, was, yeah. I forgot about that scene. You're right. So there's some, there is some definite issues with consent. Then I take back what I said. Right, but it's a different so, kind of consent because usually the consent came like the no consent was on the guy's end, uh, in a lot yeah. of the American Pie movies, and this is two women. Yeah, like, it was. It no kind of switched so it around, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting film. I think if you if you skipped over this horror comedy and you like raunchy over-the-top kills, over-the-top silliness, like just ridiculousness on film, you'll enjoy this um, yeah. for what it is, right? But that would be probably my my main kind of statement with it. Yeah, because it's like just going knowing this is not serious and just to have yeah. fun with it. It's silly, it's ridiculous, and you're going to have yeah. some good laughs. Exactly. I agree, 100%. So Polish horror, either it's so weird that we don't get it, really good in relationship deep, or completely out there and overly inappropriate and yep. <laughs> sexual humor. So that covers our Polish horror movies that we've watched. It and you know, fun. that totally that totally makes sense because, you know, I am part Polish. So, you know, people don't get me. I'm very uh, relationship heavy and I'm mm-hmm. also over the top. You are over the top sexual <laughs> too. So for our out of the dark segment, um, I was saying to Scott yesterday, what do you want to talk about? And then I, I was thinking, I'm like, man, I'm really tired of people posting about spooky season. Do you <laughs> want to talk about when spooky season starts? Really, really starts? Um, he said, yes. So where this topic came up, I'll give some kind of clarity before Scott, I'll get Scott's opinion on it. So being part of a horror podcasting community, I'm sure as many of you are aware of, if you're a part of any kind of horror Facebook groups, around this time of year, you see the the memes of like, can't wait for summer to end, can't wait for fall, you know, trade in my, you know, summer for fall nights. And then, you know, you get like the horror movie ones of how many more days till Halloween, spooky season starts now. And like people really needing to declare that they're horror fans. Like, I feel like this is for some reason around the time of year that people need to get out their horror flags and they need to be like, I'm a horror fan. I watch horror movies. And now until October 31st is my time to shine. Um, And I find it a little annoying. So that's my start. But I'll let Scott talk about his thoughts on it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I, I will say, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Sure. But uh, it does get a bit ridiculous sometimes, like especially when Fourth of July happened and the very next day people are like, oh, it's time for spooky season. Halloween is upon us because it's the next holiday. And I'm going, guys, it is still middle of summer. I mean, yes. I mean, obviously get excited for it. If that is something that you are really looking forward to and you're happy about. Sure. Okay. 
But at the same time, let us people that just enjoy each and every season, enjoy our seasons. They don't last long. Like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, once again, I'm saying, you know, everybody enjoys things differently. Okay, sure. Yeah, but, we're not saying, just so we're clear here, Scott and I are not raining on anyone's spooky parade. Yeah. If come August, July 2nd, you are fourth or fifth, you are like double down, can't wait for Halloween. And you post can't wait for Halloween. That's great. But where I find the shift bothers me is where it becomes like, well, if don't write on, like, don't get mad at me for liking horror movies because I do. I like horror movies. And like, like, no one cares. Like, if you really have someone in your life, honestly, or someone on your Facebook who is like, you're a loser for watching horror movies, why are they still friends with you on your Facebook? Right. Like, as grownups, why... Why would you feel the need to shit on someone? Like, hey, you you like that. That's awesome. But it's not a fronting game. And I feel that's what happens around this time of year. We get horror fans who decide to front on each other and front on other people. Like, not everybody likes Halloween. Not everybody, you know, and, and there's no competition to who's the best horror fan. Right. I know that there's a lot of people out there that thinks there is, but there actually isn't. Right. And being... <laughs> And being a horror fan, yes, I do love the Halloween season and all that. Like it's, you know, it is my favorite holiday. Yes, I For do sure. love it because uh, I do love like the chillier nights, like that are like with the rain and like the colors and the leaves and the decorations and all that. Yeah, I absolutely love it. But I'm not going to be going any extra with my horror movie watches because I literally do this all year round. So there's nothing exciting about that. Like, sure, I'll watch like halloween themed horror films but i'm also the type that'll watch halloween themed horror films whenever the fuck i feel like it. i don't care just like i'll watch christmas movies whenever i feel like i yeah it's i don't have a reason like i just yeah i do love the season but i am also one that besides winter i want to enjoy every season to its fullest because yeah the part i i I, like i in the summer i love summer like yeah there are some really fucking hot ass days that i'm like Mm -hmm. okay this sucks but i'll stay inside you know no big deal um, but you know, I love going to the beach. I love doing all these outdoor activities. I love all that shit like during the summer yep. and I want to enjoy that for me. Uh, you know, we'll kind of jump into this a bit, but uh, for me, I would say spooky season for me truly starts in September. Yeah. I would agree. Once September hits. Okay. We, I will start focusing on doing a lot of the spooky season stuff, going to haunted yep. houses, going to apple orchards, doing like the fall stuff, like having more bonfires and just yep. like, you know, like doing a lot of this fall activity, you know, going and seeing like just walking a trail with fall leaves because the colors yeah. are beautiful, especially yeah. especially for us that has like season changes like in the north. So like Michigan and Ontario, yeah. like we do have that season change where, you know, bright green leaves turn orange, red, yellow, brown, like yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. And it's a sight to behold. But like, yeah, like that is when September starts for me. Like back in the day, yeah, I would be like, oh, September's here. I am going to do my countdown to Halloween, like start doing movie watches. Now I'm just like, I think it's because I podcast and I watch movies so much more now that I'm just like, I really like, unless there are a bunch of Halloween films I've never seen before that I'll try to squeeze in. I'm like, I'm not changing my watching activities. Like I'm just going to be doing more fall and Halloween related outdoor activities or parties. Yeah, totally. And here's the thing. If, if you are somebody that started spooky season celebrations and you have skeletons all over your house and you have a jack-o'-lantern outside on, on July 5th. I'm not telling you that you can't do that. I'm not saying you can't post that on Facebook. What I'm saying is I don't see the reason why people front. Like we're part of yeah. a fucking gang that needs to own its own 
like fucking turf. Like I see really aggressive memes out there about it's spooky season for me and you better like it. Well, yeah. actually other people don't have to. Um, they don't. I, I don't have anyone that really likes doing Halloween stuff, but Scott, which is why it's such a pleasure that Scott's going to come up the weekend of Halloween so we can do this stuff together. But I don't have a big group of friends that wants to go to haunts. I watch a lot of horror movies alone and that's okay. I don't, I don't need other people to enjoy what I enjoy and then me front about it being like the best time of the year. I feel the same way that people are over the top about fucking Christmas, just so Mm -hmm. we're clear. Like, and I like Christmas too. I, I think it's a fun holiday. I I think everything's fun. I just, I find for horror fans particularly, and I get it, maybe in your life you were bullied for liking horror movies. I get it. You know, maybe for you, but to make it look like Halloween's been, uh, you know, ostracized child that no one cares about, that is not true. Halloween right. is probably one of the most popular fucking holidays of the year in North America. And it's the most profitable. Like, look at fucking Spirit Halloween, everybody. That's a store that goes across this country, mean Canada, the United States, and it's fucking packed. People love that shit. Halloween parties, pumpkin-themed shit. It's everywhere. There's a reason why the pumpkin spice latte exists at Starbucks. It's not because fall and Halloween are fucking hurting for attention. Right. Like, no one has said to you ever, you can't enjoy Halloween, much like no one said that you can't put up a Christmas tree, but I digress. Um, You know, I think it's just, for me, I don't care when you start celebrating spooky season, Christmas, whatever. I'm just tired of people feeling like they need to front about it. Like, I'm just tired of that because- if, if you really do have people in your life that are shitting on you for liking horror movies, which I've had, don't get me wrong, I've had that. Mm-hmm. My parents think it's weird. And I just said to them, I'm like, well, I like it. Yeah. And I have Off. a good time with it. Like, I don't need to justify it any more than that. Right. I don't know. I think that's where the spooky season thing begins to irritate me is I feel people do it over the top to almost make other people feel isolated because they feel isolated. And I just, I just don't get that. Yeah, like uh, there was a meme that I'd seen like this year, and I think I've seen it last year too, but it was just like, you know, let me enjoy like bringing in Halloween, uh, celebrating Halloween early, blah, blah, blah. I'm not telling you how to live yours. I'm like, well, you kind of are by posting this because there are a bunch of people that are on your Facebook page, like me, and probably a bunch of others that were basically like, yeah, go do we, do you, be you. Yeah. Don't, and, but you're coming on like posting this and coming on our page going, yeah, but you know, I, I don't want to be judged for doing this. So I'm, but and, you know, you need to shut up. I'm like, well, you're kind of judging me for enjoying the summer then. Like, well, and like, what do they want you to do? Put your put pumpkins all over your page and be like, yeah, I support your decision. Like you need to be comfortable with, if that's something that you like to do, then like just, it. Yeah. Let's just do it. Fuck it. Don't give put a shit page, about anybody say, else. I'm so excited for Halloween. This is amazing. But memes like that are ridiculous. No one is stopping you from liking fucking Halloween. Yeah. No one. Don't worry, there's a lot of money to be made in the holiday. I can assure you, no one wants to stop you from liking Halloween. Yeah, candy companies make a fucking shitload. Uh, costume companies make a shitload. Decorate. Like Canada's Wonderland turns, which is a major theme park here, Universal fucking Studios, all yeah. of them capitalize on Halloween. Where, where are you thinking that you are an outsider in society for liking fucking Halloween? <laughs> You're yeah, not. In fact, 
In fact, Halloween and Christmas are the biggest holidays around. Right. And and they're marketed really well. So for me, I'm like you, Scott, um, spooky season or when I start to get geared up for Halloween, usually mid to end of September. Um, usually the month of October, I try to do something Halloween themed every year. So you've seen some years I, I go to... Um, Safari Niagara, where myself and my friend's kids, we all dress up in yeah. costumes. Um, we like to go to an, an orchard, which has a haunted house and a bunch of other stuff in it that we go through. Um, you and I, you'll be coming out where I've already booked us tickets for the ghost walk. I'll be booking us tickets for Haunted Manor. Um, you know, like I like to do shit like that. And, you know, we'll go pick our own pumpkins and stuff like, but I don't, I'm not like, and you guys all better like it and not tell me I can't do it. Like no one's telling Scott and I, we can't go to a haunted manor. Right. Like nobody, nobody's, nobody's telling us. I know that would be funny if we get tons of messages on our Facebook, not to go to you know page, not to go to haunted manor, but like, <laughs> like no one's stopping you. Yeah. And if they are, then maybe you should talk to them about having respect for your interests. And if they don't, then maybe you need to like limit your contact with them. Yep. And uh, all I got to say is embrace you. Like if this is what makes you, you embrace it. Don't be ashamed of it. Like be proud of it. But at the same time, like, you know, just be respectful. Yeah. Like, and or don't feel like you need to front with people and start fights because yeah. they're still excited about summertime. And like, as a horror fan, I can like all seasons. Yeah. Like I can, I love the summer and guess what? There's a whole fucking genre of summer camp movies that exist. Mm-hmm. Huge amount of them. Just like there's a ton reason, of winter horror. Like I, 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 you know, for, yeah. so for me, mid, mid September till the end of October, you know, usually a month and a half, um, is when I engage in false, you know, uh, Halloween stuff. I usually keep to the month of October. That is just me. I know Sans am I saying other people need to do that. That's just what I choose to do. And I like doing for my own enjoyment and my own stuff. Yep. Cause, but yeah, what I do is September 1st to the end of September usually is where I'll do fall stuff, orchards, yeah. like bonfires, stuff like that, stuff of that nature. Yeah. Then it's October is the Halloween stuff, haunted houses, haunted hay rides, pumpkin carving. Which we're going to be doing. Yep. And I was going to say, like, I have plans to go. I'm hoping to go to a few different haunted houses because I did find some really cool ones that I've never heard of here in Michigan. That's along the lines of what yours uh, that you sent me. It's very uh, similar. Like yours has way more haunts to it. Yeah. This has the one that I found is about out near where my our good buddy Adam lives. It's somewhere around that area. And it's uh, a haunted hayride, a haunted, uh, a haunted house, a haunted wooded trail and a haunted maze so Fun. There's four, yeah and then and there's like a uh, horror movies being played in like the uh lobby area which is outside but like on a big screen nice. there'll be like classic nice. horror films playing stuff so i'm like oh i never heard about this thanks to facebook's advertisements which i never thought i'd ever say uh that's how i found out about it and i'm going well shit i'm gonna i want to check this out that would be a lot yeah, of fun for sure for sure and because i really only knew of like the f- select few around here like so yeah finding out there's more fun shit to do hell yeah i want to do it and yeah yeah and i definitely love going to orchards because i i am the type like as soon as it's spring to, uh, as soon as it's september oh you're damn right i'm getting me some fucking apple cider and shit like that i love that shit and i'm gonna but i save it for that season and right and like here's the thing if someone was like oh man i want to go to an, an apple orchard on august 31st you wouldn't be like oh my god why are you going on the 31st of august and not right. september man? like it's it's I think what Scott and I are just trying to say is I'm really tired of horror fans trying to act like we're on the fucking outskirts. We're not. No. All right. Horror is not the outskirts that it used to be. It really isn't. 
you know, we have Jordan Peele, Addy Aster, and other really great fucking directors that are pushing the envelope and making horror more mainstream. And to be quite fucking honest with you, there's a reason why anyone knows who fucking Michael Myers and Jason is. Mm-hmm. Okay, horror. there's a reason why I can buy any Jason product I want at any fucking hot topic I want. It's yeah. well known, everybody. It's well fucking known. Okay. Yep. I was gonna say, and like, and Halloween is when, like, the Halloween season is when all the people that are not like us hardcore horror fans get into horror that's they save it for that time of year yeah and let them yeah don't be gatekeepers okay like enough of this like well i watch horror movies fucking 12 months a year not two months a year so that makes me a real horror fan no you watching a fucking franchise over and over again doesn't fucking impress me so if that's what you think a real horror fan is that's fine but to someone like Scott and I, who are constantly watching new films, who people listen to our show for the sole reason of listening to what 2022s are coming out, you don't see Scott and I walking around and being like, well, you guys aren't real horror fans because you don't watch as many 2022s as Scott and I do. Right. Like, no, like, and you know, I, and I, Ever. Love, and that's another reason why I love the Halloween season because I do see the non-traditional horror fans come out of the woodworks and be like yay it's this time of year we can watch the horror films and i'm like i'm embracing it because i want to join you guys and watch these with you because you know i love seeing other people i'm not going to keep you from our fucking uh, our love like i'm not going to be a gatekeeper i'm like yeah come on in and why would you like why not let people enjoy what they want to enjoy in the months i can't imagine if I was like, gee, I'm going to watch Elf because it's course to Christmas time and someone being like, well, I watch Elf in July. You're not a real Christmas fan. I'd be like, right. what? Right. What are you talking about? Like, I don't walk into one of those Christmas in July stores and they're like, do you buy Christmas decorations all year round? Do you, do you eat, do you drink eggnog in July? And I'm like, well, no. They're like, well, you don't really like Christmas then. I don't think you should belong here. Like, what kind of fucking horse shit is that? That's, I think, where my real anger comes from. Mm-hmm. People are, yes, people are allowed to watch horror movies for the month of October and not the rest of the year. People are allowed to watch 18 horror movies a day. People are allowed to watch as many 2022 movies or as few as 2022 movies as they want. Yep. It is not up to you on your horror fucking high horse to decide who is allowed to enjoy things or not. What I think it's annoying, I not annoying, I think it's a shame when all people do is watch franchises over and over again because I think you miss out on other opportunities. But am I going to say you're not a real fucking horror fan? Of course not. No. Of course not. That's not for me to decide. But it's the gatekeeping, the judgment, the wanting to be edgy on a how on a, on a with a holiday that's su- supported like by tons of corporations and tons of money made off of it. Like, just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. You want to start spooky season in July? We want to be spooky season all year round. You be spooky season all round year round. You do you. Yep. There's lots of stories. Don't be gatekeepers about it. But don't get mad or try to make it like it's some kind of movement. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to tell you the truth, I mean, Halloween is for the kids. Like, that is originally what it was like. Well, I mean, obviously, like the pagan stuff back in the day. But, like, you know, when it it became commercialized, it was all about kids going trick-or-treating and getting costumes. And obviously, like, yeah, you know, me getting dressed up and going door-to-door trying to get candy from uh, people at my age, I might get looked at kind of weird. But you know what? 
we need to change that and we need to make it so you can go door to door and get those airplane shots of alcohol for us adults damn it <laughs> well and never assume because someone looks like an adult of why they're not of why they're trick-or-treating exactly you know i think a lot of this comes down to a stop trying to be edgy and like a punk rocker from and like that you're at a limp biscuit concert in 2000 in 1999 <laughs> when someone challenges you on horror films if someone really challenges your liking of horror films there's something wrong with them not you right all right um second of all everyone's allowed to watch things whenever they want to you can watch it all year round or you can just watch it the month of october that's fine everyone is welcome three exactly if you truly support halloween spooky season then go out and go to these orchards go to these haunts pay the money on these things these people put a lot of fucking money into running these haunts and running these orchards and running these events put your money where your mouth is you unless of course you have an issue where you can't go in public i totally respect and understand that then find a way that you can support by maybe buying horror movies or whatever it may be buying merch because if you really want to support the spooky season then you need to pay for spooky season things not sit there on facebook and share memes about spooky season right that's actually not supporting spooky season um those are my three things and i will give a shout out because there are there is uh two people in our podcast community that truly do embody and uh embrace and support spooky season and that is uh dan and Lacey from cut to the chase i knew you were gonna say them because they because uh, i love watching them during this time of year because they do just do all the spooky season shit which is great they they go out and support it like you know you should if you're gonna be like a true lover of that season well and they're the first people to get excited about spooky season but they actually go out and they do stuff yeah you know what i mean like i just i find it i i agree with you scotty and every year i'm doing shit every year i'm throwing my money yeah, at I'll say that, and and i haunts. love watching like the stuff you do because you get well, yeah because because you go all out for like especially in october because you'll get like a different costume for each type of event yeah. so you you won't have just one costume you have like three maybe four maybe more yeah, I, I do. But and that's because I enjoy it. Like yeah. no one comes to me and like I don't do it for fronting. Yeah, like, I'm not like, oh, look at me. Fun. I really like Halloween. Like, I, you know, obviously I do. And I have a good time with it. And, you know, I, I just I just want horror movie fans to stop acting like we're part of a movement. We're not. Right. <laughs> like you horror movies and Halloween isn't a movement. Um, you know, but it is a thing. And, and you are allowed to do you just be kind to other people, man. And like, if someone is being a dick to you about shit you like, then just ignore them. off. Like, honestly, like, unless it's me with Scott and magic, that's different. I'm allowed to play Scott. <laughs> and you know what I do with when that happens? I ignore you your fuck ass. off. Yeah. Or I tell you to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You, you wouldn't tell me to fuck off. I've told you to fuck off more than you've ever told me to fuck off. That's You're true. so polite. You're so like, no, Heather, I would never say that. I'm like, fuck you, Scott. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> but yeah, so look forward to Scotty and I's adventures at the end of October. The Adventures of Heather and Scott. It'll be a found footage film that we're going to make of us doing. Will Scotty doing make it back to Michigan, or will oh, his yeah. body be part of buried in the set, buried in the earth at Heather's house, or at the haunted manor? We're just stuck performing. Yes, stuck in a stuck in a time loop where we are stuck in haunted manor the whole time, being hunted down. You know, people have asked me, why don't I apply to work at one of these places as a scare actor? Yeah. And it's because they're not close enough. Right. Or I would. Yeah, I was like, because I've been actually seeing a lot and I've al I've almost thought about doing it myself. But at the same time, I'm like, but if I did it, that means I'd have to do it every weekend. And I would never get to actually go enjoy it myself. I would just no. be a part of it. Right. So if I there was one closer, I think in 2023, I would do it. I think it would be a lot of fun. Like I would just be like, what are my hours? What are my commitments? Can I make it work with work? Yeah. And I would do it. I would. I think it'd be a really fun I should, experience. I would, and I think I'd probably do it volunteer. 
I wouldn't even. Oh no, I, I, I would want to get paid. Oh no, I would want to get paid. I mean, I, I, I mean, getting paid is also fun. But I mean, like, but yeah, if it's close by and it's just like something fun, like, I, I oh, think if it was like a charity or something like that, for sure. Yeah, I think I would just do it just for the fun of it, like, because yeah, I, I would, I would totally get into it just because I think it'd be fun. I agree. Yeah. So who knows if you guys want Scotty and I to dress up and run around and scare people more than we already do. Um, let us know. We're down. I mean, because I get already the got... famous people from Friday Nightmares podcast. Because you know, people, I already have the face for radio, which means oh, that I have off. the which means I have the face for scaring people. <laughs> Why does everyone love Scott though? Every single person. <laughs> Because I'm squishy. Scott gonna come to Australia, Heather? Will Scott be there? Is Scott gonna come? What about Scott? Scott available to record? I get it. I understand what it's like to be in the shadow. I know. I I deal with it all the time. I'm always I'm riding your coattails. Oh no, you're not. I'm basically <laughs> riding your fucking coattails. Everyone fucking loves you. I'm like I don't know why. I'm just a heterosexual weirdo. Heterosexual men just love you. They just do. <laughs> I don't know why. They just they just like a little fucking Care Bear, and they're just like <laughs> just want to squeeze all the goo out of you. That must be what it is. It could be. Yeah, <laughs> that very well could be. <laughs> like you just everyone loves Scotty. Hashtag Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's my life. Only Scotty, 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 Scotty. That's my life. My life here. Oh, I love it. The Scotty. So anyway, this concludes episode sixty-four of Hashtag Everyone Loves Scott. Um, also known as the Friday Nightmares podcast um <laughs> as always we thank you for listening please uh if you haven't already subscribe to the legion podcast network you can uh just google legion podcast network and subscribe on any of the major podcast uh providers so spotify itunes google i don't know whatever else is out there uh we also have a legion patreon that uh i don't know maybe one day scott and i will contribute to again but there's special content and it is a three dollar fee a month to join but you can also win codes and other such things and um you know oh if you're if you're waiting to join i just gotta know one thing hmm. <laughs> i feel like there's something that i gotta say oh that's right <laughs> what are you waiting for <laughs> what are you waiting for <laughs> That was a moment that all the stereos broke across <laughs> the world. Oh, yeah, it's because we have that many winner listeners worldwide. We're like Pitbull International Worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. Right. Um, so please join Leecher Patreon today. In the meantime, we will be back in two weeks uh, with another awesome episode. Number 65. Johnny Five is alive. 65. Um, <laughs> as we kick off spooky season. And, Fuck yeah, uh, baby. And we'll uh, we'll catch you guys then. Anything that you have to say to the good people, Scotty? Uh, as always, thank you very much for listening and putting up with our crazy asses and uh, listening to our opinions because, you know, they are just our opinions. No, you know, but they're right. But, you know, <laughs> Heather's are always right. Mine, you know, just take with a grain of salt. You know, do what you do. But hey, is, does your friend that you made that lives far away still listen? Uh, as far as I know, yes. Oh, uh, what's her name? Scott. Regina. Regina. Hey, Regina. Thanks for saying I'm funny and that you like me more than Scott. It's nice to know that someone likes me out there. <laughs> I appreciate that, Regina. Thank you for your support and kindness. Uh, yes, oh, thanks and to thank Phil you. Ray for checking on me too and caring where I was. It's nice that I have two fans. Oh, I love Phil. I know. Filthy bum bum. Well, yeah, so until next time, kitties, unpleasant dreams. See ya.